is AEW successful? Why is Tony Khan running his promotion better than Vince McMahon and Bruce Pritchard are running Monday night and Friday night? Long-term booking. Thank you so very much for joining me right here on Off The Scripts. This is your Clash at the Castle 2022 post-show. I am your host, JD, from New York. As always, coming to you live from the OTS Beer Garden. Thank you guys so very much for joining me on your Saturday afternoons, wherever you may be. I was excited about this show more so than any WWE show all year. I've been excited about what Triple H has done. I'm excited about what Triple H is going to continue to do. I'm excited for the future of WWE because we are slowly but surely getting the WWE product that we all wanted. And more change is coming. The future is in good hands. I finally feel confident that the future is in good hands. This was the best WWE show all year. All year. I don't want to mention AEW in this review, but I'm going to do so just to prove my point here. This show was booked like an NXT takeover. This show was the epitome of Triple H black and gold takeover, and it was absolutely perfect. Every sense of the word. Perfect. Three hours, three and a half hours is more than enough for a WWE pay-per-view, a pro wrestling pay-per-view. Six matches. Not everybody needs to be on the card. Not everybody needs to be on the show. You don't need to stack the show with 15 matches. You don't. That's a problem, and that's something I'm going to address, obviously, this weekend. As you guys see in Chicago, there's 15 fucking matches. You should make these shows the the epitome of importance. You should make these shows the upper echelon, the one show that everybody should strive and work to be on. That's exactly what TakeOver was. Triple H could have easily added 9, 10, 11 matches to take over, but it wouldn't have given you that vibe that we all loved so much. He, he rarely went over five matches, ever. Ever. He rarely eclipsed three hours. Quality over quantity. We don't need 15 matches on Sunday night. This was the perfect way to attack this show, this was the perfect way to begin this weekend. I want to make that very well known right here. I'm sure, like I said, we'll discuss 15 matches on Sunday night a little bit later on in the weekend. The crowd tonight was absolutely brilliant. If I have any UK folk watching me this afternoon, you guys absolutely killed it. Cardiff was brilliant tonight. 
I really, really, really wish I could bottle your energy and spread your energy across the rest of the WWE calendar year. There is absolutely no doubt in my mind that WWE is going to make this a yearly thing. They have to. At this point, it has to be a yearly thing. Now, I know you guys are clamoring for a WrestleMania. I I don't know if that's going to be possible. I don't. WrestleMania is spread across two nights, starting at 1 o'clock in the afternoon. I don't know if WWE is going to want to venture into doing that with their biggest show of the year. For, For a show like this, a standalone show, or a SummerSlam, I could absolutely see that being the case. What WWE did here was pretty much tell everybody that they're going to need to come back to Cardiff, or I should say the Cardiff fans pretty much told WWE, hey, this is not the only time you guys are going to be here. You're going to come back here, and we're going to make sure of that. Cardiff was incredible. The layout was incredible. The energy was incredible. The lighting was incredible. The aisleway, the entrance was incredible. Everything about it was perfect. U.S. crowds wish they could do what they did in Cardiff. And I pray that WWE recognize that and are already planning for next year to come back to Cardiff or wherever for a Clash at the Castle Part 2. The big story of the night was Roman Reigns and Drew McIntyre. I want to start with this because obviously it's the most important thing of the entire show. Roman Reigns and Drew McIntyre for the WWE Undisputed Heavyweight Championship. This was the biggest match that they could put on right now with the roster that they have. Roman Reigns, I've been very vocal about Roman Reigns. I've been very vocal about his title reign. The first half of his title reign was tremendous. The storytelling, especially in the middle of the pandemic when there were no fans, with what he did with Jay Uso and Jimmy Uso, getting the bloodline together, enlisting Paul Heyman, that was top-tier storytelling. That was a Roman Reigns that we never thought that we would get in a Vince McMahon administration. I didn't think Roman was going to be able to do what he did then in the Vince McMahon administration. He basically did what he wanted to do, and we got the real Roman Reigns on television, won the title, and he's been champion ever since. He's done the best work of his entire career. That was the first half of the title reign for Roman Reigns. The second half, minus his work, because his work hasn't changed. His work is still incredible. And the body of work that he's done in that ring with everybody he's been in the ring with has been on par, probably better than the first half. But it's the title reign himself. It's the title reign itself with Roman holding both of those championships himself. That's what I focus on. You know, some people may think otherwise. Some people may think differently than I do. Some people think that Roman Reigns holding the championships and him being out two, three months and not defending the championships, you know, when he comes back, he's still as big as if he is, if he's there regular, full-time. Some people think that Roman Reigns is making the title a little bit more prestigious with him holding it and going away and then coming back when there's a big, big, big match like tonight with Drew McIntyre. I'm on the other side of the fence with that. I prefer a champion that's going to be there full time. I prefer a champion that's going to defend that championship when it needs to be defended. I'm not saying you have to defend the championship every fucking pay-per-view, but at least be on television and there present every single week. Every single week, or the majority of the weeks, not every single week, 
the majority of the weeks. That's the side of the fence that I'm on. But Roman Reigns undoubtedly is the biggest star in all of the sport. And no matter what he does, he's still going to be looked at as the tribal chief. He's still going to be looked at as the head of the table. And he's still going to be looked at as the pinnacle of this business, no matter how long he's out. No matter how many championships he continues to win and then goes away, when he comes back, he's still looked as the biggest guy in the company. But I would prefer a champion to be there a little bit more regularly. I would also appreciate if we're going to do the brand split and we're going to operate Monday Night Raw and SmackDown separate from one another, I would appreciate a champion on Monday night. That's the problem I have with all of this. That may be the biggest problem that I have with Roman Reigns and this title run. Monday Night Raw needs a championship. They don't have a world champion. Bobby Lashley's done great with the United States champion in the little time that he's held it. But let's be real. Bobby Lashley is not a world champion. Bobby Lashley's the United States champion. Bobby Lashley's holding the United States championship. The United States championship is not the WWE championship. You need something at the top of the card for something to really hold that brand together. For the roster to fight over. To compete for. That's the biggest problem that I have with all of this. I honestly think Roman Reigns' body of work has been tremendous, but the title reign, if you look at the bare-bones title reign, if you look at him holding both championships and the mistake that they made having him win the WWE Championship from Brock Lesnar at WrestleMania and then sign him to a new contract with lesser dates, knowing they were going to give him the championship, not really, a, not really a smart move. Not a smart move at all by WWE. But here we are. This is the biggest match that they could have possibly done with the roster that they have right now on Raw and SmackDown. The match itself was great. It was better than their Survivor Series match a couple of years ago. They wrestled in front of nobody. And that match was tremendous. Probably the match of the year that year that it happened, that Survivor Series. WWE did this in front of 63,000 people. Drew McIntyre was built up all through the four or five weeks of this show leading up to it. They gave him the crowd. They gave him the scene. They gave him the championship match that he desired in his hometown. They gave him partially his old theme music back. We did hear Broken Dreams tonight. We did hear it in the beginning of his entrance, and then they transitioned to his generic WWE theme. We got the video packages. We got the highlights. We got Tyson Fury there, who's a good friend of Drew McIntyre. They gave him everything. And Drew McIntyre walks out empty-handed. He does not beat Roman Reigns. He does not slay the dragon. He does not remove the tribal chief from the top spot in the company. Roman Reigns is still sitting at the head of the table. A lot of people are upset about this. How could you? Why would you? Blah, blah, blah. I told you for months that I did not want Drew McIntyre to win the championship. All I said for weeks was they did all of this, possibly bringing back broken dreams, gave him the fucking movie star treatment, having him go into Cardiff in that stadium in front of that crowd I find it very, very difficult 
to believe WWE is going to have him walk out empty-handed. I didn't think they were going to make him lose. And here we are. Drew McIntyre is not the WWE undisputed world champion. Roman Reigns is. Why? Why? I'll give you the reason why. It's Cody Rhodes. Cody Rhodes is the story. I don't know where we go with this. I don't know when it's going to happen. I don't know if it will happen at WrestleMania. Seeing what Triple H said in that interview with Ariel Hawani, he really heavily implied that Dwayne Johnson could and needs to at this stage of the game due to his priorities in Hollywood and his health and his age. This may be the one opportunity that they have to do it, and that ship is quickly sailing away into the distance. I don't want that match. I don't want Dwayne, The Rock, versus Roman. I don't. I want Cody. Cody Rhodes versus Roman Reigns is the reason why Drew McIntyre did not win the world championship here tonight at Clash of the Castle. That is the better story. That is the greatest story. I don't know what this means for Drew McIntyre. We'll cross that bridge when we get there. But for the sake of storytelling, Roman Reigns has held this championship for close to 750 days. You can bottle everything that they did for Drew McIntyre up and put a nice big bow on it and give him Cardiff and give him the UK and give him the scene. Give him his theme. Give him everything. Would it have been right? It may have been right in the moment. This is what people don't understand. It may have been right in the moment. You may have wanted that one, two, three to happen after that Claymore kick before we saw what happened with Solo Sokoa. You may have wanted it in the moment, but I guarantee you that if you woke up tomorrow morning and you watch Monday Night Raw on Monday and you go into SmackDown on Friday, you'd sit with the doubt for all those days and you'd come to the conclusion that Drew McIntyre winning the championship probably was the wrong decision. You'd see Drew McIntyre on Friday. You'd get the sense of WWE going back to the same old shit They're doing the same old shit right now. I could see why people are upset about it. I could see why people are upset, given the fact that WWE is very, very, very hesitant about moving on from Roman Reigns. But you have to understand one thing. Do you want Drew McIntyre to win the WWE Undisputed Everywhere Championship and have him go into SmackDown with no real cut plans? Or would you rather stay the course and have Roman Reigns hold the championship, continue to defend that championship when he needs to, go into the next year, go into WrestleMania, and then drop it to Cody Rhodes? I don't know. That's just the way I see it. Cody Rhodes is the better story. Cody Rhodes is the greatest story. Yes, it sucks for Drew McIntyre, but let's be real. Drew McIntyre was the pandemic champion. Drew McIntyre had had a, a moment taken away from him. He got the short end of the stick. He didn't ask for any of that. He got a WrestleMania moment in front of nobody. But he was the WWE champion. How many of you guys complained when Drew McIntyre was the WWE champion then? For as long as he had it. Twice. Did you guys care for Drew McIntyre then? All of a sudden you want to see Drew McIntyre now the WWE champion. Because the magical moment happened in Cardiff. I guarantee you, you go into Friday Night SmackDown, you'd be singing a different fucking tune. 
Roman Reigns versus Cody Rhodes is the story. Everybody wants Cody. Everybody wants Cody to win that championship. That's why Drew McIntyre didn't win the world title tonight. And Solo Sokoa debuted. Solo Sokoa is now a part of the bloodline. That was the major turning point in the match. Claymore kick, one, two, three was about to happen. Hooded Solo Sokoa pulls the referee out and he blasts Drew McIntyre and Roman Reigns sees an opening to win the match. I was very vocal about Solo Sokoa not joining the main roster just yet. I was very vocal about maybe keeping him in NXT and giving him a run with the North American Championship. He had gone through a couple of people. He had made mention that he wanted a one-on-one match with Carmelo Hayes, the current North American Champion. But it looks like we're bypassing all of that. I didn't think he would be ready. He even made mention on his own. I don't really want to be associated with my brothers because I want to break out on my own. Yes, it sounds good in theory, but when Solo Sokoa is on the main roster, is he going to be more valuable by himself or is he going to be more valuable and bigger of a star with his brothers? With Jimmy and Jay, with Roman Reigns. That's what you have to take into consideration. Solo Sokoa may be good on his own. He was good on his own in lowly NXT 2.0. But now this is the big leagues. Solo Sokoa would not find the same success on the main roster by himself yet. If he was by himself, it would not have gotten to a point where it needs to be. With Roman Reigns, with Jimmy and Jay Uso, Solo Sokoa is now on his way to being a mega star in the WWE. And he fits like a glove. And he fits in with the bloodline for obvious reasons. So if people are upset about that, I don't know what to tell you. It just makes better sense than him getting called up on his own and being put on the other brand and doing things on his own. He's now going to learn under the family tree, and when he learns all that he needs to do and all that he needs to know, he's going to go out on his own and be just as good as Jimmy and Jay and Roman. And this gives the bloodline an opportunity to even add more hardware to the overall group because he's going to be a solo act, no pun intended. I thought that was a great move. He's more valuable with the bloodline than he is by himself. We will talk about the breakdown of the match a little bit later. That was the big story of the night. So everybody upset about Drew McIntyre not winning the championship, you got to understand that there are bigger things in store for the world title. Gunther and Sheamus. I don't want to spend too much time on this because you guys expected the match to be a banger. Sheamus even said so. Sheamus has put on nothing but bangers. And this was no different at all. Sheamus and Gunther absolutely killed it for the Intercontinental Championship. They were bruised and their bodies were red and bruised within five minutes of this match. And the best part of all, Triple H has rectified yet another mistake that Vince McMahon wanted to ignore. The fact that he brought up Gunther and Fabian Eichner was left by himself. He brought up Kaiser, he brought up Gunther, but he left Fabian Eichner all by himself. Fabian Eichner, now Giovanni Vinci in NXT. Why did they split up Imperium? 
I don't understand that. I, I never understood that reasoning at all. You want Guter, you want Kaiser, but you don't want Fabian Eichner. Fabian Eichner, subjective may, you know, be the case here, but Fabian Eichner may be the most talented guy in the entire fucking group. But you left him down there by himself. Now we have Eichner, Vinci, on the main roster, and Imperium is back together, all three of them now operating under a different name. And now we add yet another solid single guy, singles guy, and now we add yet another top-tier tag team in Imperium. Kaiser was not going anywhere on his own. I think the WWE management realized that as the weeks went on in the Triple H administration. What are we doing here? This guy's more valuable than just being the mic guy for Gunther. Let's bring up Vinci. Vinci could do solo, and we got Imperium now together. This is a top-tier tag team that rivals any tag team on the planet. I've said it for months when they were in NXT operating under their old names. Imperium was the best tag team that was employed by WWE. And now you're going to get to see it on the main roster. That is the right move. Another one of those moves rectified by Triple H because Vince McMahon didn't have a fucking clue. Seth Rollins and Matt Riddle, they killed it tonight. Riddle lost This was Seth Rollins' first win since January, since beating Roman Reigns by disqualification for the Universal Championship at the Royal Rumble. Excellent match. We'll talk about that. Liv Morgan retains the SmackDown Women's Championship, surprisingly, over Shayna Baszler. Clean, surprisingly. We'll talk about that. I'm not very happy about that one, but I'm glad that WWE absolutely went in a different direction with Liv Morgan and gave her a clean victory, though illogical and though not really all that believable, gave her a clean victory over Shayna Baszler. And then we got the ladies opening the show. We got Bianca Belair, Alexa Bliss, and Asuka against Bayley, Dakota Kai, and Io Sky. Damage control. And they got the big victory to open the show. This was a tremendous show tonight. This was a tremendous show tonight. And I think WWE right now, like I said in the beginning, is in very good hands. There's no I in team, but there is one in Indeed. And that's the hiring platform that you need to build yours. When you're hiring, you need Indeed. Instead of spending hours on multiple job sites searching for candidates with the right skills, Indeed's a powerful hiring platform that can help you do it all. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it makes hiring all in one place so easy because Indeed does the hard work for you. They show you the candidates whose resumes on Indeed fit your description immediately after you post so you can hire faster. Join more than 3 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. Start hiring now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash sports. Offer good for a limited time. Claim your $75 credit now at Indeed.com slash sports. That's Indeed.com slash sports. And support the show by saying that you heard it on this podcast. Indeed.com slash sports. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Guys, we are going to go over the rest of the show. I want to greet you all. 
I want to thank you guys for stopping by tonight. We got 3,700 in the venue. And I appreciate y'all joining me on this Saturday afternoon. Follow me on social media. At JD from NY206. That's Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and Cameo. All the links to my social media are linked down below in the description of this very video. Make sure you guys go and hit that thumbs up. I need, we're not doing a thousand tonight, guys. We're not doing a thousand minimum. The minimum for tonight's stream is 1,500 minimum on OTS. Super chats are open. Get them on in. Hit that subscribe button down below. Turn on the bell for all notifications. Hit that join button and become a channel member on OTS. VIP status on Off The Scripts and join the exclusive club right here on the podcast. Tonight's show is sponsored by Blue Chew. BlueChew.com, code JD at checkout for your free sample. Shout out to Blue Chew for always being there as a great friend for the podcast. And go check out all the other content on the channel. Plenty of it. We were live on Monday. We were live on Wednesday. We were live on Friday. We had extras on Tuesday. We had extra on Thursday. Extra on Friday. I'm getting you guys covered all weekend long, and this is just the beginning, guys. Clash of the Castles in the books. We're live right now. Tomorrow, I don't know what I'm doing for NXT Worlds Collide yet, but I will be live after All Out tomorrow night with Jesse. So make sure you guys go and keep an eye out for all of that this weekend. And speaking of Jesse, he wanted me to mention to you because, you know, his tacos are terrible. And he's always a pain in the ass to the fine patrons of this fucking beautiful establishment. He wants me to let you guys know that he's going to be doing a retro review of WWE Rock Bottom. This is his second retro review tonight at 9 p.m. I pinned the link to that live stream in the comment section in the live stream chat. If you guys have nothing else better to do tonight and you want to hang out with Jesse and his shit tacos, you can go over there and hang out with him as he does a retro review of WWF Rock Bottom. Yes, Jesse, I see you, bro. I see you, man. Clash of the Castle, man. Let's start at the top. We got the ladies kicking things off with a six-person tag team match. We got EO Sky. We got Dakota Kai. And we got Bailey going up against Bianca Belair, Alexa Bliss, and Asuka. A lot of people were upset coming out of Monday Night Raw, man. A lot of people were upset coming out of Monday Night Raw because they felt like damage control should have been the WWE Women's Tag Team Champions. And I do agree with the overall feeling of the IWC. I have a feeling that WWE made a grave mistake with that. Now, I don't know what they're doing with the Tag Team Championships. They may very well be waiting for Sasha Banks and Naomi to come back. I don't know. I have no idea. But I do think Bayley and her, her team should have won the tag team championships because, let's be real, Raquel Gonzalez and Aaliyah, they don't really signify a tag team champion. Not at all. I think WWE could have really righted a few of the wrongs with the entire tournament 
and righted most of the wrongs with the division by giving them to a solid act like Bailey, Eosky, and Dakota Kai. Now, that very well may end up still happening because they did do something on Monday where Dakota Kai, you could really see her say and read her lips, I wasn't legal, I wasn't legal. She was the illegal woman. And she got pinned. I don't know if that's going to turn into a storyline. I guess we'll have to wait and find out on Monday Night Raw. But I do think that they made a bad decision there creatively on Monday night. This match was fun. This match was fun. I don't, I don't know if I would have opened with this match, but I don't think it really harmed the show in any way to have these ladies open. Just goes to show you how Triple H really feels about the women's division and what he wants to do with the women's division. Having them open a show like this on such an important night goes a long way in what Triple H thinks of the ladies in the WWE. Crowd was awesome. Bailey, I'm sure, you know, she wants to pretend like she's the baddest bitch on the block. Bailey wants to hate everybody, but there's no way that Bailey's in that ring and she's not smiling, even though she's playing a villain. No way that woman ain't smiling. Cardiff was singing, Hey, Bailey, I want to know if you'll be my girl chant at the start of the bell. And they just gave Bailey all the love in the world. And she could not stand anything being said about her during this match. I loved it. Just the energy from Cardiff right out of the gate towards Bailey was, it was infectious, man. It brought a smile to my face. So with the crowd on fire, they kept doing the chant through most of the beginning of this match. Bailey tried being a heel, but there's no way that she could hold back a smile. She tried her best to dumb down the crowd, but it wasn't working. So the faces here had the early advantage. And at one point in the match, they gave EO, Dakota, and Bailey a triple suplex. That was a nice spot. Belair then hit a handstand moonsault for a near fall. Asuka and EO squared off. They were in the ring for a little bit here together. Sky avoided a kick by Asuka, rolled Asuka up for a near fall. Bailey's team took control, took control of Asuka, isolated Asuka in their portion of the ring. Fans broke into another Bailey chant, chanting her name. Bailey tagged in. She got a huge babyface reaction here. She acted annoyed. She tagged back out because she didn't want the fans cheering her. You gotta love Bailey. She's gonna do everything in her power to really just show you that she doesn't like you, even though I'm sure she loves every single one of you. So Bliss is in there, and she called Bailey with a cannonball off the apron. That looked Pretty nice from Alexa Bliss. You don't really see that all too often from Alexa. Dakota Kai took advantage. Blindsided Bliss with a shotgun dropkick. Sent Bliss right into the barricade on the outside. So Bailey and her girls cut Bliss off from her corner. Now they isolated Bliss in their portion of the ring. Bliss started to fight back. She caught Asuka with a code red. Kai made a blind tag in. Kai rocked Bliss with a running kick in the corner. Bliss recovered, went for the tag, but Bailey pulled Belair off the apron, so Alexa had nobody to tag. Asuka jumped back on the apron. Alexa tagged Asuka in, and she ran wild. She rocked Sky with spinning back fists and kicks to the midsection, a knee, a German suplex, a sliding clothesline. She went for a cover, got two and a half on EO Sky. Asuka, when she's getting going... She's got some of the best offense in the entire women's division, man. That 
That little sequence with the back fist, the back fist and the spinning back fist and the German suplex and the clothesline, fantastic stuff by Oscar. Belair tagged in. Fans pop big for Belair. She had a spine buster, standing moonsault on Bailey. Belair and Bailey fought on the top rope. Belair avoided Kai and threw her out of the ring. Somehow, Belair hit the middle turnbuckle. Bailey is sitting on the top turnbuckle. She tied Belair's braid in the ropes so that she couldn't go anywhere. Asuka and Bliss then jump on Bianca's back, and they are gaining balance on the top rope here by using Bianca's back, and they superplexed Bailey off of Bianca's back off the third turnbuckle. Awesome stuff. Sky hit the acai moonsault onto everybody on the outside. So they are all taken out. Belair was in control. She is in the ring with Dakota. She goes for the KOD on Dakota. Kai escaped. Bailey is tied up with Belair in the corner still, going for the hair. Kai hit the running boot because Bailey tied up Bianca again. So Kai hits that Huluva kick. I don't remember what she calls it. She hit her Huluva kick in the corner. Bailey followed up with a rose plant. She rolled Bianca over to the corner where EO hit her moonsault. Bailey then covers Bianca after EO hit the moonsault. One, two, three. And Damage Control beats Bianca Belair, Alexa Bliss, and Asuka in the opening match of Clash of the Castle. Bailey pinned the champion. Normally, I am not all that happy when champions get pinned. But Bianca and Bailey do have history. And it's too early for an EO Sky or a Dakota Kai to get a championship match. There really isn't anybody in the women's division right now that is ready for a match with Bianca Belair. Nobody's really been built up to be the number one contender. I don't want to sound like I'm off here, but normally I don't like when champions are pinned. On this night, I didn't really mind Bianca Belair being pinned because two things. Number one, Bailey is good enough to pin Bianca whether she's the champion or not, so it doesn't really matter. EO got the moonsault, so... In actuality, you know, with all that they did, they all hit their finishing moves. Dakota Kai hit the Huluva kick. We got the face plant, the rose plant there by Bailey. We got Io Shirai doing the moonsault. Bianca Belair took all of Damage Control's signature moves. So she should be pinned. It's easy to pin Alexa. It's easy to pin Asuka. But how many times have we seen Asuka take a pin? How many times have we seen Alexa take a pin? Bianca got nailed with every one of their signature moves, and Bailey went in for the kill. Bailey could pin Bianca on any given night. So that's why I'm not all that upset about Bianca taking the pinfall here. With Bailey pinning Bianca, we now get the next in line to challenge Bianca. Bailey's now the number one contender. So Bailey versus Bianca Belair will probably be where they're going into extreme rules in October. And I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. This is why we needed Bailey back. This is exactly what we expected with Bailey coming back to the WWE. I love it. This was a very, very good match. I'm still hoping, and I'm throwing it out there. I don't know how many other IWC podcasters are talking about this. At Survivor Series, I do think that it is very likely, and Triple H may be thinking something else. I don't know. 
He may be on the same wavelength as me right now. I do think that there is a huge possibility that we get a women's war games match at Survivor Series. I do think we end up getting that. It could be with Raquel and Aaliyah joining Bianca Belair, Alexa Bliss, and Asuka. Because they're in this thing now, and they're inevitably going to have to drop the titles to somebody, whether it's Sasha Naomi, whether it's Dakota or Io. I don't know. So we got five on that side. We may get Sasha and Naomi joining Bailey, Io, and Dakota. Five on five women's war games at Survivor Series. That is something I'd like to see. You want to kickstart the fucking revolution again for women's wrestling in WWE, that's what you do at Survivor Series. And let's be real, Survivor Series needs a complete remake. It needs to be something that generates interest for Survivor Series. We're not going to go into Survivor Series with the same old Raw versus SmackDown shit, champion versus champion. We're not going to go into the old Survivor Series rules with with five-on-five elimination matches. Boring. Boring. NXT doesn't need war games. Who the fuck wants to watch a war games match in NXT when Tony Khan does blood and guts on national television for free every year? You think Triple H wants to see Tony Khan do that match better than him? No, Triple H is going to bring war games back to Survivor Series and he's going to put his best females in there, 10, battling each other. Maybe Aaliyah not so much. I don't know. Aaliyah, one of the best. I, I don't know. But you guys get my point. War games at Survivor Series. It needs to really play into Survivor Series. What better way to be a survivor than to survive war games? Mark my words. Clip it. Save it. Store it away somewhere. If it happens, you know where you heard it first. I think that's the right way to go with all of these women and a great way to kickstart the women's revolution again after Vince McMahon and Bruce Pritchard fucking pissed all over it. Damage control gets the victory. Bailey more than likely the number one contender for Bianca Belair going into Extreme Rules in Philadelphia. They showed Tyson Fury at ringside. He was sitting there right behind Michael Cole. I figured he'd get involved somewhere in the match later on, and I wasn't wrong. We talked about it last night. Tyson Fury was there. They showed clips of Tyson Fury earlier in the day. Speaking with Roman Reigns and speaking with Drew McIntyre, he was very right down the middle up until when we got to the match and he really showed where his allegiance really was. They also showed highlights, and this is what I love, man. This is what I love most about Triple H being in charge. You are always going to get something said about the past. In the first match, I forgot to mention, he was going over the faction that Io Shirai, Asuka, and Io's sister, I believe, were part of in stardom. We got stardom lore in the opening match by Michael Cole. He was going over other promotions that you would have never even heard a peep of if Vince McMahon was on the other side of that headset with Michael Cole. Stardom lore, Joshi lore on WWE television. When did you think... When did you think that you'd get that on WWE television? We are really living in a fucking alternate universe here. It's ridiculous. And then we got Triple H throwing it back to highlights of the 1992 SummerSlam. We got highlights of Bret the Hitman Hart and the British Bulldog on fucking current day WWE television. WWE, Vince McMahon, 
You could love and appreciate everything that Vince McMahon did. His child, uh, our childhood is basically, you know, a Vince McMahon byproduct. You would have never, never seen the old school respected like this in a Vince McMahon, Bruce Pritchard era. They don't want nothing to do with pro wrestling. They don't. Triple H wants everything to do with pro wrestling. Triple H loves old school. He loves the history behind everything. Bret Hart and the British Bulldog. We got clips of that match. Last time WWE was in the United Kingdom was 30 years ago at Wembley Stadium for the 1992 SummerSlam. The British Bulldog's family was in attendance and Bret Hart was in attendance tonight in Cardiff. Tremendous. Absolutely incredible. We move on from that, and it's all leading to what I'm about to talk about next. That match, obviously, that main event of the 1992 SummerSlam was for the Intercontinental Championship. Ever since 1992, I can't even, I can't even tell you how many times the Intercontinental title has main evented a fucking show. They did want one thing out of the Vince McMahon administration, kill the Intercontinental title. Everybody that's held that Intercontinental title was worse off for it. It was almost as if it was a curse. Triple H is making it one of the most sought-after things in all of pro wrestling in just six weeks. Look at the difference in the last six weeks for the United States title and the Intercontinental title. The IC title a little bit better off than the U.S. title, but they're both getting major love right now. Gunther, the Intercontinental Champion, out there with Ludwig Kaiser, and Kaiser introduces Giovanni Vinci, the former Fabian Eichner. Imperium was Eichner, Bartel, and Walter in NXT UK. They made their way over to NXT here in the States, and they were one of the best groups in the entire company. They decided to kill them off for whatever reason, I don't know why. They changed their fucking names. They got these silly, geeky names. Ludwig Kaiser sounds like something I'd go to fucking Cat's Deli and order off the goddamn fucking menu with spicy mustard pickles on the side. And Gunther, I'm a little bit more okay with Gunther now, but Walter, let's be real, he's still Walter to a lot of people. Gunther Kaiser and Giovanni Vinci. Giovanni Vinci, if you guys watch NXT, He's this Italian fucking stud. He looks like a million bucks. His goatee is fucking pristine. He's wearing fancy watches. He's fucking living the Italian lifestyle. He's great. He's great. It may be a little gimmicky. It may be a little cheesy, but it doesn't take away from the fact that Giovanni Vinci is one of the most talented guys in the entire company. He was the best part to me of Imperium. Him and Bartel... Eichner and Bartel were the best tag team in all of the company that you probably never even watched. Everybody loved Sheamus and Cesaro as the bar. They were the modern day version better than both what Sheamus and Cesaro did with the bar. They were the modern day bar. They were the standard of tag team wrestling. And now they're back on the main roster. Giovanni Vinci can go one-on-one with anybody in the company and fucking give you a five-star match. Now, them together as a tag team, this gives WWE another solid tag team. And Kaiser has basically been fucking saved. Ludwig Kaiser has been saved with this addition of Vinci on the main roster. 
Now he finally has purpose. And nobody's going to tell me otherwise. Nobody is going to tell me otherwise. Oh my goodness. We got a $500 super chat two nights in a row by my boy Osequi. Oh my goodness. He's donating from his alternate account. I got to read this to you. He says, sending this from my other account, Clash of the Castle was tremendous. The crowd was fantastic. Best WWE show in a good while. Thoroughly enjoyed it. Gunther versus Sheamus was a brutal masterpiece. Talking about other promotions, honoring the past, holding post-show press conferences. Triple H is killing it right now, and I love it, says Osakwe. Oh, my goodness. Brother, I'm putting your name on the OTS deed right now. Seriously. Osakwe is like 75% owner of the OTS venue. Me, I just work here. I just work here. Thank you so much, brother. I hope you are enjoying your afternoon. I hope you're enjoying your Labor Day weekend. I hope whatever you're working on is coming along the way you want it to be. We love you here. I love you. Thank you so much, brother. Unbelievable. Osakwe donating $500 to the OTS venue right here for the Clash of the Castle post show. Awesome stuff. Unbelievable. Jesse says Osakwe is goaded. Absolutely. Understatement of the entire stream. Where was I? If there's one thing Osakwe does, man, he leaves me speechless. Tag team. Kaiser and Vinci. Mark my words. You're going to watch SmackDown. You're going to watch them wrestle. Watch what they do. I am not kidding around when I talk about them. This match, you know, we can sit here and Sheamus can go on social media and tweet all the different podcasters in the IWC and tweet all the content creators in the IWC. Banger after banger after banger after banger after banger. It's not just a meme. It's just not a quote. Sheamus is speaking legit facts here. Sheamus is speaking legit facts. And I can't forget Cam G. Cam G just donated a $100 super chat. Cam G. Thank you so much, brother. I can't forget Cam G. Banger after banger after banger after banger. Seamus speaks the legit truth. I've said this for months. I've said this going back to the pandemic when they were operating inside the Thunderdome. Seamus was putting on match after match after match after match that was just... Some of the best that he's produced. He was legitimately the MVP of the WWE in the pandemic. You know, people want to talk about Drew McIntyre. People want to talk about Roman Reigns. Sheamus was one of the biggest pieces to the pandemic era. And that continued coming out of the Thunderdome. And that continued to where we see Sheamus now with Butch, Pete Dunne, and Rich Holland. Now... I don't want to sound like a shill, but I've been a huge Sheamus guy for a very, very long time. I loved everything Sheamus did with Cesaro. I love Sheamus in his singles roles. Sheamus is so good because he brings a sense of legitimacy to everything that he does. He's a great in-ring performer. He's a great promo. And he's just fucking tough. You can put him in there against anybody and you really watch him work. He could beat the shit out of anybody, no matter what size they are. 
Big, tall, small, left, right, up, down. It doesn't matter. He's going to go in there and he's going to beat the living shit out of anybody. It doesn't matter who they are. And tonight was no different. You would think Gunther, the big bad Gunther, the intercontinental champion, he's going to shy away from Gunther. They absolutely fucking massacred each other. Within the first five minutes, Sheamus is pasty white and the red bruising on his body was showing less than five minutes into the match. Less than five minutes into the match. Gunther himself, Sheamus was throwing bombs right back at Gunther. He was even bruised on his back. You saw welts and cuts on Gunther's back less than five minutes into this match. By the time this thing was over, they went 20 minutes. This was probably the best match of the entire night, in my honest opinion. And this match did the Intercontinental Championship proud more so than anything Vince McMahon and Bruce Pritchard have done in the last decade. Gunther is going to be the Intercontinental Champion for a very, very long time. Absolutely never losing that championship. I'm making a prediction right now. I'm making a prediction right now. When the American Nightmare, Cody Rhodes, wins that world championship, the one guy that I, because you know, you know what's going to happen. When Cody Rhodes wins that world championship, the one guy that I want to see him in a fucking feud with is Gunther. The American Nightmare versus somebody who's going to vilify America and be that villain that Cody Rhodes absolutely needs. That right there is going to be a money match waiting to happen. These guys did the Intercontinental Championship fucking proud tonight. It hasn't looked as good as it has in over a decade. And this match was the perfect setting for the Intercontinental Championship, the Workhorse Championship, fucking the brutality that these two guys went in there and gave each other, all for the Intercontinental Championship. Perfect. And the crowd was into everything that both Gunther and Sheamus did. So we got three on three here, which is very exciting because we got Pete Dunne, Butch, hopefully that name goes away soon. We got Rich Holland and we got... Sheamus, now against Gunther, Ludwig Kaiser, and Giovanni Vinci. I said this on SmackDown. I don't know how many of you guys are feeling the same way, man. There's a lot of different groups now kind of popping up in WWE. There's a lot of three-man groups popping up in WWE. Are we on the verge of Triple H doing the same thing that AEW did with a bunch of different factions popping up everywhere? We got Imperium now. We got the Brawling Brutes. We got the Bloodline. Makes you think why they even got rid of the Hurt Business, right? It's amazing. We got Judgment Day, right? We got all these different factions popping up all over the place. Maximum Male Models, Hit Row, right? It looks like WWE is getting ready for a a faction warfare of sorts. I'm, I'm all for it. I wasn't for it when we first saw it kind of take shape in AEW, but I honestly think it makes for better television. Now, I don't know if they're going to add trio championships, but, I mean, I I quite like it. I quite like it. So we got the Brawling Brutes here, and we got Kaiser and Vinci with Gunther. We got both factions fighting, and we got the stare down of Gunther and Sheamus in the middle of the ring, and they're not doing anything. So all four guys are brawling on the outside. They're brawling in the ring. They're brawling up the aisleway. Referees get a hold of this. They take all these guys to the back. 
And we're left with Gunther and Sheamus one-on-one for the entire match. Not one instance of outside interference. Not one instance of outside interference. Road Dog is in my Twitter comments. Is he really? Let's see what Road Dog says before I get on with this intercontinental title match. Let's see. What did Road Dog say? Let's see. Hold on one second. Uh, what did Road Dog say? I take, uh, let me see. I said easily, by far the best WWE show in all of 2022. Absolutely incredible. Brian Goolish, my boy Brian Goolish tweets. That's what happens when you bring back Road Dog. Things become incredible. He says, I take full credit from Chicago. Good old Road Dog, man. Good old Road Dog. So these two guys started off battling each other right from the top. Hard hitting match, chops everywhere, as you can imagine. Walter destroyed Sheamus' chest with violent chops early on. They both worked each other very, very stiff, as you guys would come to expect. So they start trading shots in the corner, and and Sheamus knocked Gunther down and pulled himself up to the top rope. Gunther jumped to his feet and chopped Sheamus to the floor. Gunther gave Sheamus a slam onto the ring steps. There was loud Walter chants in Cardiff. Gunther rocked Sheamus with hard chops and a kick to the face. He backed Sheamus against the ropes and destroyed Sheamus with some more chops. Sheamus tried getting up. Gunther blasted him in the face with a boot. Fans broke into a Let's Go Sheamus chant. He was incredibly over in this entire match. Gunther locked on the Boston Crab, transitioned into a crossface. Gunther took it to Sheamus with more chops to the back. Sheamus and Gunther traded back and forth again. Gunther held on to Sheamus' arm, hit some more chops. Fans broke into another Let's Go Sheamus chant. Sheamus blocked one big chop by Gunther, and he started fighting back. Gunther recovered, slammed Sheamus onto the floor. He then tossed Sheamus over the announce desk. Sheamus fired up and then gave him the 10 beats of uh, whatever he calls that shit. Bodran, I believe he calls it. The 10 fucking clubbing forearms to the chest over the announce desk. And he did it on the announce desk, he did it on the ropes, he did it on the barricade. So Sheamus was absolutely destroying Gunther at this point for payback through most of the match where Gunther absolutely decimated Sheamus' chest. Sheamus hit a diving knee, Gunther and Sheamus traded some more shots in the middle of the ring, Gunther hit a German suplex, Sheamus got back to his feet pretty quickly, Sheamus took it to Gunther with another knee to the face, knocked him down, goes for a cover, gets a two count. Gunther got Sheamus in a sleeper. That's when you know the match is coming to an end. Gunther with the sleeper hold. He went for the pile driver. Sheamus countered with a white noise. He muscled Gunther up with a white noise. Got a near fall. Sheamus is setting up for the bro kick. Walter or Gunther avoided it. He followed with a power bomb for a two count. Gunther targeted Sheamus' back now. He climbed to the top rope. Sheamus was up there. He cut him off. They trade chops and some slaps on the top rope. Sheamus regained control. He slips out. He gets Gunther in a Celtic cross, razor's edge, drops him down, goes for cover, gets the closest near fall of the match off of the razor's edge. Fans thought that was the finish. Sheamus went for the bro kick. His back gave out due to all the punishment that Gunther was giving him Obviously, with everything that has happened, the Boston Crab 
right? The cross face, everything leading up, his back gave out. Gunther hit a powerbomb. He then follows up with a devastating lariat that pretty much twisted Sheamus inside out. And that was pretty much it. One, two, three. Gunther wins and retains the Intercontinental Championship. After the match was over, Imperium celebrated with Gunther. All three of them celebrated together. At the end of the match, they left. Sheamus was left alone in the middle of the ring, and this was a chilling moment. Sheamus got a standing reaction, a standing ovation from everybody in attendance. It almost symbolized, it almost symbolized retirement, but I know it wasn't. They were just showing in massive numbers appreciation for the body of work that Sheamus has given everybody year over year over year over year. 44, 45 years old is Sheamus and still operating at the highest of levels in WWE, and he got 63,000 fucking people to give him a standing ovation in appreciation. And the best part is, this feud is far from over. We're going to get Imperium versus the Brawling Brutes. We're going to get another match with Sheamus and Gunther for the Intercontinental Championship. This is only the beginning of this war. This was incredible. Absolutely incredible. Nobody deserves it more than Sheamus. That was truly remarkable, the reaction that he got at the end of the match. We got the SmackDown Women's Championship next. We got a Baszler and Morgan video package. Not really uh, all that exciting with the video package. No video package is going to get me excited about Liv Morgan and Shayna Baszler. Triple H made a statement. Triple H made a statement when he walked into work on that first Friday night SmackDown. And we needed a new number one contender following SummerSlam. He could have picked anybody. He could have picked Raquel. He could have picked Aaliyah. He could have picked anybody. He went with his tried and true Shayna Baszler. Not really a coincidence that Shayna Baszler was named the number one contender for the SmackDown Women's Championship. Shayna Baszler is one of the most dominating women in all of WWE. Outside of Asuka, there was not one single other woman on that roster that even came close to what Asuka and Shayna Baszler did with the reigns that they had under Triple H in the black and gold NXT with that NXT Women's Championship. She got to the main roster, and she was just completely castrated. She got her legs cut out from underneath her. WWE had her booked really strong at the very, very, very start. And then that match with Becky Lynch happened at WrestleMania 36 where Shayna was supposed to win. There were reports saying that Becky wanted Shayna to win because Becky knew that she was pregnant and she needed to drop the title. The match did not go the way that it needed. And Becky Lynch beat Shayna Baszler. She ended up relinquishing the title before Money in the Bank. And Asuka was awarded the, or after Money in the Bank, I should say, and Asuka was awarded the Monday Night Raw Women's Championship. And then Shayna Baszler... She floated in a sea of mediocrity for months and months and months and months. Nothing. The woman was a part of nothing. She felt so irrelevant coming out of NXT after having such a dominating run there. It was a sad thing to look at. Liv Morgan. Liv Morgan had won Money in the Bank. She pinned Ronda Rousey after her match with Natalia at Money in the Bank. Something a heel would do. Not really reminiscent of what a babyface does. 
She then wrestles Ronda Rousey again in a rematch at SummerSlam after claiming you're going to have to kill me to take this title from me. You're going to have to take this title from my cold, dead hands. Meanwhile, we get Ronda Rousey and Liv Morgan at SummerSlam, and Liv Morgan is tapping out right on camera. Referee doesn't see it, but the referee sees Ronda Rousey's shoulders pinned to the mat mid-arm bar. He counts Ronda Rousey's shoulders to the mat. One, two, three, and Liv Morgan beats Ronda Rousey. Meanwhile, she tapped out first. So the visual and the promos and everything kind of being lumped together with this whole Liv Morgan package, it, it didn't really resonate with anybody outside the fucking Liv Morgan super fans out there because they're a bunch of clueless idiots. All of this wrapped up together. It didn't really make Liv Morgan look believable. She was not a believable champion. She's a bullshit artist. She's a liar. So after that SummerSlam match, I think a lot of people started to sour on Liv Morgan, and rightfully so. That's what ruined Liv Morgan's title run already. The fact that she's saying one thing and then doing the other and doing the opposite, not really a good look for your babyface champion. You want to book a babyface champion, you're going to have to, you're going to have to have her say what she said and then have her back up her words. You can't have her say, the only way you're going to take this title from me is prying it from my cold, dead hands and then have her fucking showcase at SummerSlam tapping out. Not really a good look. So here we are. This is why I said for weeks, Liv Morgan has to lose. Liv Morgan should lose the title. Shayna Baszler needs to beat Liv Morgan. That did not happen. Liv Morgan beats Shayna Baszler in probably the worst match of the entire night in 11 minutes, and Liv Morgan retains the women's championship on SmackDown. Now, they had a very, very difficult task of following Gunther and Sheamus. Crowd was largely very indifferent to this, this match. There was no real emotion to this match. There were, obviously, you know, it's Cardiff. You know, they gave you something, but they didn't give you anything like they gave you the rest of the show. They gave you a little reaction to this, but it was largely unexciting, to say the least, as far as Cardiff's standards are concerned. The match was fine. Liv Morgan won clean, which was surprising because she needed a clean victory. But was the clean victory believable? I don't think it was believable. Honestly, I may anger some people here, and, you know, you really can't fault, fault me for this, because I watch with eagle eyes, and I watch everything that happens on these shows. Liv Morgan's offense is terrible. Liv Morgan's offense is not believable, especially against somebody like a Ronda Rousey or a Shayna Baszler. Liv Morgan is not the type of champion that you want going into a match with Shayna Baszler. Liv Morgan is not the champion you want going into a match with Shayna Baszler because she's not believable. There's no fucking human being alive on this planet watching professional wrestling, looking at Shayna Baszler and Liv Morgan and believing that Liv Morgan's going to come out with a victory over somebody like Shayna Baszler. It's not possible. Not with her attitude, not with what she's done, not with her promos, not with her offense. It doesn't work. We're basically watching somebody who loves what she does, but isn't good enough to do what she does. Meaning, I feel like I'm watching somebody play dress-up pro wrestler and Liv Morgan knowing 
that she is not good enough to beat Shayna Baszler. It almost came off to me like Shayna Baszler was toying with her and allowing her to get offense, knowing that at any given moment she could fucking end the match within mere seconds. Shayna Baszler came off like somebody who was letting somebody win because she felt bad for them. And Shayna Baszler could end the match like that. That's not really what I want out of your babyface champion. That's a terrible fucking feeling. That's a terrible look. How do you have Shayna Baszler lose clean here to Liv Morgan's weak and pitiful offense? I don't know. I don't really understand it. But here we are. People love Liv Morgan. I think Liv Morgan has gotten a lot better. I don't mean this in any disrespectful way. I'm just calling out what I see. I'm calling it like I see it. That's why I'm here. That's why you guys are here. She's got great effort. Don't get me wrong, but believability, she has zero. Crowd was largely dead for this. Easily the worst match of the entire night. The arm was the story here. Baszler targeted Morgan's injured arm. Morgan worked on her submission game and injured Baszler's arm with a cross arm breaker, which worked into the finish of this match. They did the big title introductions, and we got Samantha Irvin in the middle of the ring, and she's normally not really shown on camera introducing things. So this is another one of those Triple H changes. Normally, when we get the championship contenders and the champion in the ring, normally you don't really see the ring announcers. Vince didn't want the ring announcers to be seen. I don't know why. So Samantha Irving, the SmackDown ring announcer, was in the middle of the ring, and she's announcing Liv Morgan is the champion and Shayna Baszler is the challenger. That is another little detail, another little change that Triple H is changing in the new administration, which I like. Ring announcers are a huge proponent of the show. They should not just be voices. Everybody should have their role, do it well, and they should be on camera just like everybody else. So I think that's great. So they traded submission moves back and forth. Michael Cole did note that, and if you guys saw social media, that Liv Morgan was training with Matt Riddle, which is a nice little added touch. Traded submissions back and forth for the first couple of minutes. Morgan took over. Tried to stand on the top rope, but Baszler pushed Morgan off and caught her arm on the rope. She fell down. Baszler slowed the pace down, destroyed Liv Morgan's arm. So the arm was the target here for Shayna Baszler. Morgan tried to fight back, but Baszler caught her with the back suplex. Baszler slowed the pace down. Morgan broke free, hit a middle rope drop kick. Morgan jumped to her feet and then got fired up, started to make a babyface comeback. She caught Baszler with a knee off the middle rope, went for a cover, and got a two count. Baszler regained control and teased, stomping on Morgan's injured arm. Morgan locked on a triangle and got into an armbar submission on Shayna Baszler. I'm assuming Matt Riddle had taught her this. Baszler escaped and rocked Morgan with a big knee. Right to the face for a two count. So Morgan recovered, hit a running power bomb. She got a two count. Baszler kicked out of the Kirafuda clutch. So we went from the power bomb. Baszler kicked out, transitioned into the Kirafuda clutch right in the middle of the ring. I thought this could have been it. Baszler couldn't keep the hold because she started to sell the injured arm that Liv Morgan was targeting earlier in the match with the triangle and the armbar. So Shayna had to sell for Liv Morgan because Liv Morgan got the armbar on Shayna Baszler. After all Shayna did to that arm, 
Shane is the one that's got to sell for a fucking arm bar that was barely applied for 20 seconds? Come on. You mean to tell me the submission magician had to sell a fucking arm bar by Liv Morgan? I'm not buying it. I'm not buying it at all. She couldn't keep the cure for the clutch on because she only had one arm applied. Only one arm was working. Finish came when Morgan hit a code breaker and then a sloppy looking oblivion for the one, two, three. After the match, Morgan got a decent little reaction, held the championship up, and she celebrated her victory. And that was basically it. That was basically it. I don't know. Maybe I'm being a little bit too hard. Maybe I'm being a little bit too hard on Liv Morgan, but it ain't working, man. Honestly, I think the Liv Morgan experiment has failed. I think we need to move on from Liv Morgan. I'm not going to go out on a limb like some people said on social media and pray for Charlotte Flair's return, but, I mean, I don't know what we're going to do with SmackDown. Liv Morgan being the champion is making the SmackDown women's division weaker by the week. She is not a good representation for the championship. She's not believable, and her offense doesn't back up what she's saying. She looks pathetic. She looks weak. She looks pitiful out there. So I think we need to move on from this Liv Morgan experiment, and I think we need to go in a different direction. I'm sorry. If that upsets you, I don't know what the fuck you guys want from me. Jay Royals. Now you know why you're benched, bro, in the chat. Thank you, Hula Grimm, for benching this clown. He says, this guy that claims he wants women's wrestling to get better but still shitting on their matches, she needs a clean win, she gets one, and you're still shitting on Liv, but claim you are her fan. I'm sorry, bro. Your girl doesn't look believable, bro. Get the fuck out. Get out. Does she look believable in there against a Shayna Baszler and a Ronda Rousey? No, she does not. No, she does not. Her offense sucks. Time to move on. Time to move on. Now, what happens to Shayna Baszler? What happens to Shayna Baszler? I truly, 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 truly believe that Shayna is going to work with Ronda Rousey in some way. I'm going to throw this out there for you. How do we get the women's division on SmackDown to get heated up again? Because right now, Liv Morgan ain't doing it. Liv Morgan being the champion is not doing it. How do we get the SmackDown women's division to get heated up again? I know how. Why don't we get Shayna Baszler and Ronda Rousey together? Right? They have a common, a common theme, a common goal here. They both want to take out Liv Morgan, right? What if we get Shayna and Ronda wrecking havoc in the tag team division or the women's division, I should say, because there's no tag team division in WWE in the women's division. What if we get Ronda and Shayna Baszler teaming up together and becoming a team and going up against Sasha Banks and Naomi? That's what it feels like to me is the best way to get some heat built up in the SmackDown women's division because like I said right now, there ain't shit happening over there. And nobody wants to see Charlotte Flair in a priority role on Friday night because that's been done, been there, done that. Nobody wants to see Charlotte Flair and her fucking robotic ways right at the top of SmackDown after being away for three months. Not going to really sit well with the majority of the fan base. Shayna and Ronda versus Sasha and Naomi, take my money. I think that's a great way to introduce 
Sasha and Naomi if you do want them back on SmackDown. Shayna and Ronda wrecking havoc on SmackDown could be a great one-two punch. Judgment Day. We got Judgment Day. Rhea Ripley leading Finn Balor and Damian Priest against Edge and Rey Mysterio. This was an excellent tag team match just because of the fans' reaction to everything. The match itself was fine. I mean, the match, is, the match itself is what you would normally see on a, on a Monday Night Raw. But the crowd reaction and where they were and the 63,000 took it over the top. It made it from an in-ring aspect, a good match. It made it into a great match just because of the crowd reaction. So Judgment Day is led by Rhea Ripley. They're out there. Rey Mysterio's out there. And Edge, during his entrance, he's wearing a lucha mask to go along with being a part of this tag team with the lucha legend Rey Mysterio. Edge comes out to what you guys know as Metalingus by my favorite band, Alter Bridge. And to hear Alter Bridge sung by 63,000 fucking people. Somewhere Miles Kennedy and somewhere Mark Tremonti and the rest of Alter Bridge are smiling from ear to ear to know that their music is being sung in what basically is Alter Bridge country. Alter Bridge is more popular in the United Kingdom and in Europe, more so than they are in the United States. If I asked some random fucking person here, do you know who Alter Bridge is? They'd probably give you the answer of no, which is quite surprising to me because they do have incredible music. But to hear Metalingus sung by 63,000 fucking people even gave Edge chills tonight where he took off the mask and he had to take it in because he couldn't believe what the fuck was going on. Crazy. You would think that he was born and raised in Cardiff. He got a huge fucking reaction in that stadium tonight, and it was absolutely a beautiful thing to see. Gotta love it. This was a fun match with an even better ending. I thought this was great. Big story of the match was, was Dominic going to turn? Was Dominic Mysterio going to turn on his father and on Edge and join Judgment Day? They played it up. I didn't think we were going to see it tonight. I thought we were going to get the good old baby face fucking get the victory and we're going to go home happy. That's not what happened. And WWE absolutely nailed this one out of the park. So, on commentary, Michael Cole noted that Dominic showed some jealous tendencies towards Edge before this match took place tonight. And we all saw that. He had a problem with Edge, and something happened on Monday Night Raw where, you know, he was in the midst of a spear, and he got saved, and whatever the case may be, he got attacked on Monday Night Raw. It was a miscue, and Dominic was very upset at Edge. So, or, I'm not even sure if it was that, or maybe it was just the fact that Rey Mysterio chose Edge as his partner instead of choosing Dominic. It's probably more so that, but I would say about 50-50. Because the incident that happened on Monday Night Raw didn't sit well with Dominic. And the fact that we're at this show and Rey Mysterio is going to choose Edge, I probably think that more, more so is the reason why Dominic is upset with Edge. So we'll talk about that in a little bit. So Ray and Dominic, they got a great reaction. And Edge got a huge pop, like I said. Everybody singing along with his theme music. 
Balor and Mysterio started off. Back and forth they go. Balor tagged in Priest quickly. He demanded Edge get back in the ring. Fans pop for this. We just saw this main event in Toronto on Monday Night Raw a couple of weeks ago. Edge getting the one up on Damian Priest. Priest was in control. He whipped Edge into the corner. Mysterio protected him. Bounced off of Mysterio. Did Edge. Came right back into an offensive move on Damian Priest. They tried the same thing, did Judgment Day. So, Balor tried to be Priest's buffer, but Edge spotted it and kicked Balor in the midsection and then went right back to attacking Damian Priest. Edge then gave Mysterio a reverse powerbomb onto Judgment Day on the outside, which looked great. Fans broke into a big Rey Mysterio chant. Heels then quickly took over. They isolated Mysterio in their corner. Balor started to slow the match down. You guessed it, folks. What does WWE slow their matches down with? The dreaded and most dangerous chinlock. Gotta love it. You see it at least once in every WWE show. Multiple times sometimes. But they slowed the match down with the chinlock. Mysterio fought back, sent Balor over the barricade. Mysterio jumped on the barricade. Priest jumped up there, cut him off. Mysterio then crotched Priest on the barricade, so he took a nasty landing. Edge got the hot tag eventually from Ray. He set up for the spear, but Priest caused a distraction. Mysterio took out Priest with a seated senton off the apron. Edge hit a 619 on Finn Balor. It didn't look pretty, but it was effective. He did hit it. Mysterio hit the splash off of Edge's 619. Balor broke it up. Uh, actually, he hit the, uh, the splash on Balor, um, and Balor kicked out of the near fall. Edge then speared Priest off the apron to the floor through the ropes. Balor set up for the coup de grace on Edge. Dominic on the outside caused a distraction. Mysterio then gave Balor a Hurricane Rana off the top rope. Rhea Ripley interjects here and takes out Dominic at ringside. She picked him up for a big slam on the outside, but Mysterio took both of them out with a huge dive through the ropes. So he got some offense on Rhea Ripley. We got some male-on-female action here, which is not really the norm on WWE television, but I'm open to it because Rhea Ripley's played her role very, very well. Mysterio set up for the 619. Balor hit a clothesline and saw it coming. We got Dominic getting up. He grabbed Balor's leg which allowed Rey Mysterio to get in position for the 619. He lands on the ropes. Edge then sets up for the spear. We got 619. Balor gets up. He's dazed. Spear by Edge. One, two, three. And Judgment Day takes the big fat L. We got Mysterio and Edge getting the victory here over the Judgment Day. So Dominic played a huge part in his father and Edge getting the big victory here at Clash of the Castle. After the match, we got Edge and Rey Mysterio celebrating in the middle of the ring. Dominic is there. He's he's just there. He looked to be a little off. He wasn't smiling like Rey and Edge were smiling. All of a sudden, he looks at Edge and he kicks him so hard in the balls, he kicked Edge in the penis. His shoe fell off. Edge gave one hell of a fucking look. He got kicked in the balls, and Edge could not believe that Dominic kicked him in the balls. 
that he looked into Dominic's eyes and basically it was Edge looking into his soul. This was an incredible sell by Edge. He fell to his knees. Dominic lost his shoe. Rey Mysterio is asking why, why, why? Calm down in Spanish. Why? Why? So Dominic is just standing there. Ray is trying to plead with him. Dominic absolutely blasts his father with a vicious fucking clothesline. Takes his head off. All the while, Finn Balor, Damian Priest, and Rhea Ripley are treating this like comedy hour. And they're laughing on the outside. Pointing and laughing like fucking children at the playground. Watching somebody get beat up. Now, we don't know if Dominic joined Judgment Day, but I would think that Dominic has now joined Judgment Day. I don't know. Now, don't get me twisted. Don't get me twisted. I think Dominic joining Judgment Day is a little meh. But they do need to add to their group. They do. And I think Dominic Mysterio, after what we've seen, especially with the interactions with Rhea Ripley, it may actually work out for the best. This may be exactly what Dominic Mysterio needs. He was going nowhere teaming with his father. The goody two-shoes son of Rey Mysterio was going nowhere. You know, being a background player for Edge and Rey Mysterio, he was going nowhere. So clearly he saw an opportunity here and the manipulation tactics of Rhea Ripley have basically wore this man down, this kid down, to a point where he now is either A, believing all the bullshit that Judgment Day has told him over the last few months, or... He's basically succumbed to Rhea Ripley and now is in lust with Rhea Ripley. It's almost like some sort of witchcraft here. Now, I don't know what's going to happen. This is very interesting. This could be a career-defining moment for Dominic Mysterio, where he had no charisma. He showed more charisma and more attitude in this one segment than he did in the entire time he's been on the main roster. And the interactions with Rhea Ripley, they become memes of their own online. So people are going to love this. It could be, I've seen some people compare it to Eddie Guerrero and China, and Eddie Guerrero and China dynamic. If we get that with Dominic and Rhea Ripley, like I said, it could be a real defining moment in Dominic's career. It could finally take him from bottom of the barrel to at least the next level. So we will see what happens. I'm intrigued. I'm more intrigued about what Judgment Day is doing now under Triple H than I had been when Vince McMahon was ruining the fucking group slowly but surely right before our very eyes. I think they've all knocked it out of the park. I think Rhea Ripley has done her best work as a heel so far. Finn Balor starting to look normal. Damian Priest, his promo work has been enhanced tremendously over the last few weeks. The overall group, the vibe of the group has been enhanced tremendously over the last couple of weeks. Now they're adding Dominic. It could be something that works out better for Dominic now. And the fans absolutely leveled into him with the booze. There was not one fucking moment of any refrain from that crowd. They let him have it. So I like this. I thought this was great. And this, I'm intrigued by. So we will see what happens, man. Some more story on Monday Night Raw. This is what's going to get people to watch Monday Night Raw. Story. And that's what Triple H is giving us. Seth Rollins, 
He went one-on-one with Matt Riddle. And this was the other great match of the night before the main event. I thought this was in line with, you know, the top three matches would be obviously Gunther Sheamus, Riddle, and Rollins, and then McIntyre and Roman Reigns. These two had a great match, and I mentioned this on the podcast, and I mentioned this in the weeks leading up to today. I love the fact that Triple H saved this match for this show. I'm glad that he did not do it at SummerSlam. I'm glad. It really made everything feel a lot bigger. It made everything feel a lot more important, and it made everything feel a lot more intense between these two. The promo that they cut on Monday Night Raw was tremendous television. You know, a lot of people are saying, oh, you know, I don't really see any change on Monday night. I don't really feel any change on the Triple H. It's more of the same old shit. Clearly, you're not paying attention, and clearly, you're not paying attention to when I fucking talk because you're making yourself look like a blithering fucking idiot. The fact that they had to bleep out F-bombs from Matt Riddle is all the change that you really need to see about what WWE is doing on the Triple H compared to what they were doing under Vince McMahon because you wouldn't see that type of shit under Vince McMahon. That's somebody who gets it, Triple H. Vince McMahon did not. Matt Riddle is Matt Riddle again, number one. Matt Riddle is becoming NXT Matt Riddle. Matt Riddle we know is comedic. Matt Riddle we know is funny. Matt Riddle we know is lighthearted and funny and he likes to smoke. We get it. But this version of Matt Riddle is also a version of Matt Riddle I want to see. And this is what we're getting. We're getting that NXT balls to the wall fucking cage fighter Matt Riddle. And we need that sometimes to break up the fucking formulaic bullshit that WWE has done in the past. Seth Rollins, he came out looking fantastic tonight. I don't know what he was dressed as. I would assume it was a homage to Elton John, the way he was dressed. Fiery outfit, the big fucking glasses, the the big feathers on his outfit, the devil horns. Either that or he was taking dressing, uh, dressing tips from Becky Lynch. I don't know. I don't know. But Seth Rollins, he is on the run of a lifetime. This is the best Seth Rollins has looked. 2022 is the best that Seth Rollins has looked in his entire WWE run. He hasn't looked this good since his 2000 and, I believe, what was it, 2017? 2016, maybe? His Intercontinental Championship run? I, don't, I forgot which year it was, but there was, a, there was a time where he was mega, mega white hot as a babyface. Intercontinental Champion, putting great matches on, He was really building his work rate as one of the best in the world. He was tremendous. He hasn't been as good since then. This is the best version of Seth Rollins that way, 2018. This is the best version of Seth Rollins since 2018. His body of work has been tremendous. This match was great. Physical, great story here. And the story of the match was that Rollins got Riddle so upset because he went personal and talked about his family to a point where he used Matt Riddle's anger against him to secure the victory here at Clash of the Castle. So, Matt Riddle got a big pop. Rollins came out, and 63,000 people singing along to his theme music. It was tremendous. So, they went right at it at the start of the bell. No headlocks, no fucking, uh, you know, uh, playing the slow game, working a methodical pace. They went right at it at the bell. They traded shots. Riddle got in the referee's face because referee wanted to break them apart. Riddle got a triangle on Rollins. They both fell over the top rope. Rollins took over, hit a suicide dive on Riddle that caused him to take over. Rollins was in control. 
He started to get into the referee's face. This opened up Riddle to fight back and get Rollins up on the top rope. So they're on the top rope now. Rollins cut him off. He went for a reverse suplex. Somehow Rollins lost his grip. He recovered and caught Riddle in a tree of woe. So Riddle's hanging up in the corner. He followed it up with a double foot stomp off the top rope right through Riddle's heart with the double foot stomp. So they're still on the top rope. Rollins hit a superplex, rolled through for a Falcon Arrow. Riddle countered and hit a Fisherman Brain Buster for a near fall on Seth Rollins. Riddle hit the floating bro off the second rope to the outside on the floor. Rollins went for the pedigree. Riddle escaped the pedigree. Riddle countered into the bro to sleep and transitioned into a powerbomb into a jumping knee for a two count. So Riddle then went up top. He went for the floating bro. Rollins got the knees up to block the floating bro. Riddle avoided the stomp, locked on a triangle choke. Rollins broke free, and he used Riddle's own finishing move, which he calls the bro Derek, for a near fall. Riddle avoided the Phoenix Splash after Rollins went up top. He rolled through it. He hit a Pele kick on Rollins. Riddle jumped to his feet. Rollins got him with a forearm. Rollins then hit the pedigree for a very close near fall. I don't really like the pedigree being used unless he's going to win with the pedigree. I honestly think it devalues Triple H's finishing move, but that's just me. So after the pedigree, Riddle is in some serious trouble here. Rollins is screaming at Riddle, calling him a loser. He mentioned his wife and his kids leaving him. He's a nobody, and he's going to finish him off here. Nobody wants anything to do with him. He's a loser. He's a loser. He's a loser. Riddle's wife thinks he's a loser. His kids think he's a loser. Riddle snap. Riddle got angry. Rollins took advantage of this, though. He saw Riddle was angry, took advantage of him being angry. He seen an opening. He hit Orton's draping DDT to Matt Riddle. As Cardiff was raining down booze, Rollins set up for the RKO. Riddle locked on a sleeper. Fans broke into a this is awesome chant. All of a sudden, Riddle grabbed the chair. Rollins avoided the chair shot. So this is where Riddle got angry and cost himself the match. As Riddle was attempting to get back into the ring, he was leaning in through the middle rope. Rollins hit the curb stomp in the middle of the ring. Rollins sees Riddle dazed. He goes up to the top rope and jumps off the top rope with a top rope stomp on Matt Riddle, and that was it for the one, two, three. Seth Rollins gets the victory over Matt Riddle. This was his first victory since January after wrestling Roman Reigns at the Royal Rumble and beating Roman Reigns by disqualification at the Royal Rumble. Where does Matt Riddle go from here? I don't know. I think Matt Riddle is honestly so over with the fans that a loss to Seth Rollins here is not really all that damning to Matt Riddle. He does look like a loser, though. He does look like a loser. But he let his anger get the best of him. You know, he got blasted by Seth Rollins. Seth Rollins is calling him a loser. His wife left him. His kid left him. He's nothing but a lonely loser. You know, it really doesn't make Matt Riddle look good if he can't defend the honor of his kids. And he comes off looking like a loser who beat himself because of his own anger issues. 
But I don't think this is over and done with yet. I think this is part of a greater story. We didn't get the match at SummerSlam for the sake of telling a longer story here that took place at Clash of the Castle. I do think that we now get another four weeks of story here with Matt Riddle trying to tone his anger down and getting the best of Rollins and really channeling that anger to get the victory at Extreme Rules. Rollins needed this victory. I don't think Riddle needed this victory tonight if it's going to tell a greater story that leads into the next pay-per-view that gives them the opportunity for Riddle to really take his anger out in a no-DQ no match or a match with no rules or a steel cage or something along those lines. So I think Rollins getting the victory here was the right call. I think Matt Riddle will end up getting the victory and getting revenge on Rollins at the next pay-per-view, which will be Extreme Rules. Seth Rollins, one final note on Seth Rollins. He has been so good at what he does. I want to throw this out there for everybody. You could agree with me or you could disagree with me. The body of work that Seth Rollins has done this year has honestly been tremendous. Seth Rollins has been one of the most selfless acts in all of WWE. He has put everybody else before him. He's given food off of his table to Cody three times in a row. He's given food off of his table to Roman Reigns as Roman Reigns is you know, still doing the championship thing and Rollins filled in for Roman Reigns as a challenger there at the Royal Rumble, right? And now he's in this thing with Matt Riddle. Seth Rollins needs to be rewarded for his selflessness and his hard work. If or when that WWE Championship goes back to Monday Night Raw, Rollins should absolutely be in discussion for being one of the first people to carry that championship when Monday Night Raw gets back its WWE Championship. I don't know if that's going to happen before WrestleMania. I don't know if that's going to happen before Cody. But I want to make sure everybody is in the same mindset as me. Rollins has been absolutely selfless in everything that he's done. He's put everybody that he's been in the ring with over before himself. And that deserves some type of reward. I see it. The fans see it. And to me, honestly, that is what is continuing to grow Rollins' respect with the fan base. And if you don't think Seth Rollins is one of the best talents in the world, in this industry, you know, you might choose your Omegas or your Ospreys or your Kota Ibushis or your Okadas or anybody else. You cannot leave Seth Rollins out of the discussion. There was a point in time where Rollins, you know, we didn't know what his gimmick was. He was floating in between the Messiah gimmick. We didn't know what his gimmick was. We didn't know if it was going to stay or if it was going to go. He's finally landed on what he's got right now, which is a mix of everything that came before it. He settled on it. He's owning it. He lives his gimmick on TV every single week. He's over the top. He's a great villain. He's a great in-ring worker. And it's about time that Seth Rollins finally starts to get the respect that he deserves. And that's coming from a Seth Rollins fan. I know I've been, ver I've been very hard on Rollins in the past, and it wasn't even his fault. It was creative's fault. This is what people don't understand about me. A lot of the times when I complain about something, it is directed at creative. The pro wrestlers don't really have any say or didn't have any say when it was Vince McMahon and Bruce Prichard. You, uh, you argue that and you combat that, goodbye. Nobody wants to hear that. They'll label you as difficult to work with. But now, 
Now we're seeing the body of work that he really is truly capable of, and it's time he starts getting what he deserves. That's all I'll say on Seth Rollins. They showed a Becky Lynch video package. A lot of people were wondering, well, what's going on here? They did a Cody. They did a Paul Heyman. They did a Becky Lynch. They did an Usos. Apparently, I read somewhere on Twitter that they did this because on the non-premium version of Peacock, there were, there were commercials. You, you can obviously pay $9.99 and get a Peacock experience commercial free. But the reason why they did this is because on the advertised version of Peacock, with the advertisements and commercials, they threw commercials up there, and WWE wanted to basically put this into the show to uh, basically cover up the commercials on the paid or on the $4.99 version of Peacock. So that was the reason why. We got Karrion Cross shown at ringside. He was sitting at ringside. Scarlett was there with him. There were reports from these geeks online that have zero sources who said that Karrion Cross was not in Cardiff. He absolutely was in Cardiff, and he was sitting front row at Clash of the Castle. We got Drew McIntyre and Roman Reigns in the main event of Clash of the Castle. This went 30 minutes. So we got a big video package highlighting everything that led us to this moment. Fans loved McIntyre here, and they aired a cool video package of McIntyre with childhood video and childhood photos And they legitimately played over the video package that was being played. They played Broken Dreams, his iconic old WWE theme song. Now, I got chills listening to that because it just brings back great memories of what WWE theme music used to be. And I actually got a little disappointed that they didn't play it all throughout his entire entrance. But they did bring it back. I don't know why they didn't go and do it for the entire duration of his entrance, but I'm not WWE. I would have let that song play out through the entire entrance of his song or or his entrance. But it was absolutely chilling to hear that and see the video package that they did for him with that music being played over it. Tyson Fury was at front row behind commentary. Karrion Cross is sitting front row by the aisleway. Drew McIntyre is making his way down the aisle. Crowd is loving Drew McIntyre. They're chanting his name. He got a huge, huge ovation in Cardiff. I was actually worried at one point that maybe Drew's not going to get that hometown reaction. Roman Reigns is so over everywhere he goes, it might actually flip-flop. Roman Reigns might be the babyface, and Drew McIntyre might be the heel because you know how WWE does with their heels. That Sometimes they're so overbearing that the fans get si- just get sick of it, and they end up cheering the heels because WWE mismanages how they, how they use babyfaces. But that wasn't the case here tonight. Roman Reigns makes his way out. Huge ovation for him. Huge entrance. Lighting and... They got the 3D graphics up there. They had a tree of Roman, you know, uh, 3D graphic on the screen. It's great. He walks down the aisle. He gets in the ring. This is a big fight feel. A big fight feel. This was bigger than anything that they did at WrestleMania. This was bigger than Reigns and Lesnar at WrestleMania. The feel in the atmosphere, watching this at home, was bigger than Reigns and Lesnar 
at WrestleMania, and that was for a undisputed championship or unification, champion versus champion, winner to winner take all. It was bigger. The vibe was bigger than that. The vibe watching this at home. This was a bigger fight feel than anything that WWE has done since Rock and Cena. That's how big of a feel this was. This was on par with Brian Danielson and the fucking height of the yes movement. This was just on the same level as that. That was the vibe inside Principality Stadium at Clash of the Castle. There's no Usos. Jimmy and Jay Uso, not out there. I don't know why they weren't there, but I'm assuming that it has to do with their criminal record and the fact that they weren't allowed in the country. I don't know. I don't know. I thought that was only a Canada thing. I didn't think that was going to be a thing in the United Kingdom here or, or, or Europe or Cardiff. Whatever the case may be, they were not there. Paul Heyman wasn't there. Sami Zayn wasn't there. Roman Reigns was, quote-unquote, flying solo. And that will play into the ending of this match. Story of the match was that Roman was all by himself. So fans broke into a loud Drew chant. He was very over here. And McIntyre had the early advantage. He pushed Reigns into the corner. Reigns tried a shoulder tackle on McIntyre. It didn't move him. Reigns was shocked, rolled out of the ring, took a breather, started to work his own pace. Reigns took control of the match for a little bit. McIntyre started fighting back. He sent Reigns outside with a big wicked clothesline. McIntyre then tossed Reigns into the steel steps. He goes flying into the steel steps. Karrion Cross is sitting at ringside with his wife, Scarlett. And they distracted McIntyre from the match. So Reigns walks on over and takes advantage of this and blindsides Drew McIntyre. Reigns, obviously after all of this happens, he sees this opening. He blasts McIntyre. McIntyre is slow to get back into the match. Reigns decides to take the microphone and tells the fans in Cardiff to acknowledge him. Acknowledge me. Great. Great. So, as he does that, we get McIntyre coming coming back into the match. Uh, Reigns turns around. McIntyre rocked him with a Glasgow kiss. This was... Actually, no, I'm speeding up. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm speeding up here. That was later in the match. So uh, after the carrying cross distraction, we got, uh, he grabbed the microphone. Uh, Reigns turned around. McIntyre rocked him with a Glasgow kiss. Before that, McIntyre, he was in control. He started to fight back, steal steps. Um, McIntyre and Reigns traded shots in the middle of the ring. Fans started doing a boo and yeah chant for the match. McIntyre ran wild. He had a belly-to-belly suplex and a neck breaker. He did a kip-up. McIntyre hit a beautiful-looking spine buster for a near fall. Reigns started to fight back. He hit a rock bottom, did Roman Reigns. Roman Reigns hit a rock bottom, so I don't know if that has any inside meaning or whatnot, but he did the rock bottom and got a two-count. Reigns went for the Superman punch. McIntyre reversed the Superman punch into a Future Shock DDT, That was the opening that he needed to really mount a comeback and possibly win the match. McIntyre went for the Claymore. Reigns hit a Superman punch and took the Claymore away from Drew McIntyre. He went for a cover gutter near fall. 
Reigns went for a spear. McIntyre kicked him in the face, coming out of the spear position. Reigns recovered, hit a spear for a two count. Reigns then locked on a guillotine, and McIntyre was in trouble. McIntyre eventually broke free. Reigns rolled out to the floor. McIntyre went after him and speared Reigns through the barricade near the timekeeper's area. They went back into the ring. McIntyre went for the Claymore. Reigns hit the spear for another close near fall. Fans were very, very pleased that wasn't the end of the match. So Reigns, he was upset. He was yelling at the referee. Charles Robinson was the referee, yelling that was a three counts. How could you? That was a three count. McIntyre sees Reigns arguing with the referee. He sees an opening. He hits the Claymore. But in the process, after the Claymore connected on Reigns, Reigns bumped into the official, and Charles Robinson was now knocked out of the match. So now there is no official. All of a sudden, Austin Theory, he runs down the aisle with another referee. Money in the bank briefcase in hand. He walks over to the timekeeper's area where the barricade is destroyed. He starts to hand the briefcase to the referee. Referee starts asking him, are you sure? Are you sure? Behind the barricade, behind commentary, is sitting Tyson Fury. He knocked Austin Theory out with a right hand that knocked Austin Theory into the next fucking country. Austin Theory was knocked out. You did not see or hear from him. For the rest of the match. Finished. Austin Theory was taken out. In the ring. Reigns went for. McIntyre with the steel chair. So. The other official. I don't know where he went. I don't know what he was doing at this point. But Reigns decided to take a steel chair. And try and use nefarious actions. To win this match. He went to McIntyre with a chair. McIntyre avoided. Hit a claymore. And the other referee, I guess he didn't see that. Reigns using the steel chair. He missed it anyway. McIntyre hit the Claymore. Other referee, the second referee, the one that Austin Theory brought down to the aisle. He got into the ring. He counted one, two, and Roman Reigns kicks out. So Roman Reigns kicks out of the Claymore. Fans thought that was the finish. If the fans thought that was the finish, if that was the finish, that would have been tremendous. Crowd would have fucking absolutely exploded. So, McIntyre and Reigns, they're in the middle of the ring now. They're trading shot after shot after shot. It looked like two boxers in the 12th round. They got no energy at all. McIntyre took Reigns out with a spear. He hit another Claymore kick. McIntyre had the match won. The referee that was brought down to the ring by Austin Theory was about to make the count. One, two. And then all of a sudden we get him dragged out of the ring. And we see the camera pan on somebody who is wearing a black hoodie. I seen the face visibly in the hoodie with the hood over his face. I seen it. I seen the facial hair on this man's face. I'm like, there he is. Solo Sokoa pulls the second referee out of the ring, ruins Drew McIntyre from winning the Undisputed Championship. Sokoa jumps on the ring apron. He hangs McIntyre on the top rope. Charles Robinson at this point is starting to get back into the match. Reigns hit the spear. One, two, three. Fans leave Clash of the Castle furious and massively disappointed.
that Roman Reigns retained the Universal Championship, the WWE Championship, because of Solo Sokoa. I mentioned earlier in the stream that Solo Sokoa joining the main roster is absolutely the right way to go. I wasn't buying it because I felt like he could have used at least another full year of NXT. Maybe a North American Championship run, a little bit more seasoning. You call him up during the draft, which apparently may be taking place after WrestleMania. Save him till then. But WWE's fast-tracking him to the main roster. And I honestly don't have a problem with it. Now, like I said before, if you're going to bring Solo Sokoa up to the main roster and have him go fly solo, he's not going to really be as over as he would be if he was in the bloodline. Now he's going to be aligned with Roman and Jay and Jimmy and for now, Sammy. And he's going to be more over in the bloodline with his family than he would be just regular old Solo Sokoa who doesn't want anything to do with him uh, Roman Reigns and his family. He wants to be on his own. But Roman flying solo tonight played into the fact that he was helped by Solo Sokoa. You know, they did a Paul Heyman vignette. They talked about him not being there and him still being out. All you need to do per storyline is, you know, the tribal chief going out there by himself, it doesn't even have to be Roman Reigns keeping him in the shadows and enlisting, you know, his cousin Solo Sokoa. It doesn't have to be Roman. It could be Paul Heyman making a phone call from where, wherever he is rehabilitating and getting ready to come back to television. Paul Heyman, all he needed to do was pick up the phone and say, hey, yo, Solo, I need you to go to Cardiff. I need you to back up Roman Reigns. I need you to go back up your tribal chief. This is the bloodline. Your brothers can't be there. Sammy can't be there. Roman's by himself. I need you to go out there as added insurance. That's all you need to do. Why was Solo Sokoa there? Why was he at Clash? Why was he there to help Roman? Because Paul Heyman picked up the phone and called in a favor, and it all ties in to the bloodline. Absolutely fantastic match with an outcome that I talked about on Friday. I, I would have been okay with Drew McIntyre winning the championship because at least it would have been a way to start now rebuilding the main event scene, get it on somebody new, and possibly get the world championship back on Monday Night Raw. But now that we got what we got and how it played out with Solo Sokoa, I don't have a problem with it because I wanted Roman to keep the championship because to me the greatest story is Roman and Cody Rhodes at WrestleMania. That's what the greatest story is. So if anybody is disappointed by this, I don't know why you're disappointed about it. I really don't. Roman Reigns is going to do what he's got to do. We got another great talent on SmackDown in Solo Sokoa. Cody Rhodes is still being positioned as the guy to take those championships off of Roman Reigns. It's going to be one hell of a fucking ride. It's going to be one hell of a ride. If you're upset about this, I don't know what the fuck your problem is. Awesome, awesome, awesome stuff. At the end of this, this was lame. I don't know why. WWE, as soon as Roman and Solo started walking up the aisleway and Drew started waving to the fans, disappointed as they may be, that's what should have ended the show. Roman Reigns was in the ring with Tyson Fury. He shook Tyson Fury's hand. I don't know why. He was out there blasting Austin Theory, basically saving the match, right? Obviously, he was pro-McIntyre. I don't know why you're shaking this man's hand. Then McIntyre's left in the ring with Tyson Fury, and they're singing fucking Kumbaya in the middle of the ring. I don't know why. 
Drew McIntyre just lost the biggest match of his fucking career, and he's singing as if nothing went wrong. That was a bad move. Triple H hasn't taken many L's in the new era yet, but that was a major, major L. The visual of that was fucking ridiculous. I don't know why. They should have ended with Solo and Roman walking out. But if you're upset by this, I'm going to need you to fucking calm your emotions down. It's not the end of the world. Where McIntyre goes from here, I don't know. This is what the great thing is about Triple H, man's story. Is McIntyre going to continue to pursue the bloodline? Is McIntyre going to take his frustrations out on Solo Sokoa and out to get back to Roman? We don't know. We don't know. It's a UK tradition. I don't care if it's a UK tradition. It made Drew McIntyre look like a fucking dummy out there. Other than that, this was the best WWE show all year. Absolutely tremendous show. And like I said in the beginning, six matches, three and a half hours. Tomorrow night, we got all out. 15 matches. 15, I believe. 14 matches. Four on the pre-show and then 10 on the actual show. Quality over quantity. I understand that Tony Khan needs to, you know, get everybody together and make sure that you guys feel like it's $50 well worth spent. But I said this last night. If you put NXT TakeOver New York on pay-per-view, traditional pay-per-view, and you, you charge $49.99 and... You get six matches at 50 bucks. The quality of matches that we got for TakeOver New York, or if you got the quality of this show for $49.99 on traditional pay-per-view, I honestly think that you'd be pleased with the $50 that you just spent. We don't need to put 10 matches on pay-per-view to give you the feeling of $50 well worth spending. You could do seven matches and then still get that same feeling if the matches are absolute fucking four-and-a-half-star bangers all night. I don't know why anybody would be fucking complaining. It's going to be a fucking 1 a.m. evening on, tomorrow, on Sunday night. It's the same shit every fucking pay-per-view. We'll tackle that when we get there. I thought tonight, this Cardiff show, Clash of the Castle, was the best WWE show all year. And what happened here tonight, I'm very excited about WWE TV next week. And the crowd, they pretty much ensured WWE has to come back to the United Kingdom, either it's Cardiff or England or wherever. They have to go back there for a major, major, major WWE pay-per-view. Whether it's WrestleMania or SummerSlam or its own standalone event, I want Clash of the Castle to be its own standalone event every single year. It should be the new standard. It should be in, honestly, it should be in the major WWE show discussion. Get rid of money in the bank. This is your new Big Five. Royal Rumble, WrestleMania, SummerSlam, Survivor Series, and Clash at the Castle. Tremendous show, and it gives everybody even more hope about a Triple H-led WWE. Guys, thank you so much for all of your support here on the podcast. We're about to uh, get into the Super Chats. We got unbelievable support via the Super Chats tonight. And I thank you guys very much for all of that. Eight new members tonight. Tremendous eight new members. You guys blew away the 1,500 minimum. We're sitting at 1,736 likes. The new minimum, guys, since you blew 
both of the minimums away. We got a new minimum, a third minimum. I need 2,000 likes minimum on tonight's OTS for Clash at the Castle. So hit that thumbs up if you guys have not done so. Tonight's show sponsored by Blue Chew. BlueChew.com. You guys are going to use that code JD at checkout for your free sample. You see Triple H being a confident head of creative, man. You want that Triple H confidence in the bedroom. You don't want the Bruce Pritchard confidence. You want the Triple H confidence, man. That's where Blue Chew is going to come in and do wonders for you. Blue Chew is a unique online service that provides the same active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, but in chewable tablets, and it comes at a fraction of the cost. You guys can take them anytime, day or night. Plan ahead, be ready whenever the opportunity arises. And the process is very simple. You're going to sign up at BlueChew.com. You're going to consult with one of their online medical providers. And once you guys are approved, you're going to receive your prescription within days. No more doctor's office visits. No more awkward conversations. No waiting in line at the pharmacy. And BlueChew's tablets are made in the USA. They are prepared and shipped directly to your door in a very discreet package. I always talk about first impressions, guys. Triple H, he stormed into the creative role and made a great first impression. This was his legit first pay-per-view. All by himself. This was a great first impression. And after this show tonight, he made a lasting impression that will continue on into Monday night, Friday night, and into Extreme Rules. That's what Blue Chew's going to do for you, man. First impression and a great last impression. So if you can benefit from that extra confidence, why not give Blue Chew a try? Sign up at BlueChew.com. Code JD at checkout. All you guys got to do is pay the $5 shipping and handling. That's BlueChew.com. Code JD at checkout. And I want to thank them for being such a great friend and a great sponsor. This is a couple of years now with Blue Chew. Great sponsor right here on Off The Script. Man, oh man, oh man. I don't even know where to start, man. Let's start at the top here. Jay. Coil with a $4 super chat. That slob Gareth was removed from the stadium. WWE really said, get him out. Now, are you uh, are you joking around with that, Jake Coyle? Or, or are you really telling the truth there? Because I'd love if he fucking suffers the worst outcome in life. What a complete neckbeard virgin slob is Gareth. Get him out. Eric Newton with a $10 super chat. I know it would require the approval of the families, but if they could, what if Dominic changed his last name to Guerrero and embraced Eddie as his real father to stick it to Ray even further? No. No, he's a Mysterio. A very confused Mysterio, but he's a Mysterio. William Robertson with a 999 Super Chat. The Intercontinental Championship match was the most physical IC title match in decades. Best IC title match since Bret Hart versus Mr. Perfect, in my opinion. I mean, that's going back a long time, William. I'm sure that there are other IC title matches in the Attitude Era and in that early 2000s era. 
that were just as good. But you can't really, you can't really uh, blame William. I mean, he's got two of the best ever, Bret Hart and Mr. Perfect. Two of the best intercontinental champions of all time. JC720 with a $20 super chat. Hey, JD, the crowd kept me in front of the TV. Theory, fury, all of it. I enjoyed the hell out of Drew and Roman's match. I thought it was tremendous. I thought their match was tremendous television. Better than their Survivor Series match from a couple of years ago. Thank you, JC, for the 20 and Super Chat. Michelle Moran with a $5 Super Chat. Great pay-per-view. Loved Dominic's heel turn. Seth and Riddle tore the house down, but Triple H has a problem. Who does Roman Reigns fight next? Has this loss hurt Drew? Remember, Roman is also the Monday Night Raw champion. So he's got no shortage of opponents on Monday night either. They may ask him to show up on Monday Night Raw, and that's where his next opponent may be. You want my honest opinion? I I don't think that Roman Reigns is defending the title at Extreme Rules. I don't. I'd be shocked if he does. The next time we see Roman Reigns is at Survivor Series. Sidro. Now, what they do with Roman at Survivor Series, if they do the champion versus champion shit, I don't know, man. I don't know what they do. It may be a Leslie Nielsen, Undertaker versus Undertaker type deal. Sidro. The resident OTS comedian. $5 super chat. He's got a bunch of them. Amazing show, says Sidro. 9.5 out of 10 here with the jokes. What type of sandwich do AJ Styles, Luke Gallows, and Carl Anderson always eat for lunch? The club. I like that one, Sidro. Simple yet effective. What was the Pirates' favorite part of HBK and Triple H's treasure map? DX. I like the first one better, Sidro. I get where you're going with that one, but I like the second one better. Oh, the first one better. What do you call two WWE superstars arguing over chips? A snack down. Jesse's not a fan, Sidro. Jesse is not a fan, bro. How does Ember Moon cut her hair? She clips it. See, that one, that one you redeemed yourself with. I like that one. I like that one. Julian with a $5 super chat. Solid pay-per-view. Theories segment. Funny theory segment, but disappointing ending. Should have used Cross for something. Maybe helping Drew, Cross and Drew, temporary teaming versus the bloodline. Now, I think Cross is going to be just by himself. I think that's where Drew McIntyre really focuses his energy is on carrying Cross. Triple M becomes a new member. Triple M, what are you drinking tonight, brother? Hologram with a $5 super chat. With Roman cutting a promo mid-match. And using the rock bottom 
Do you think those were seeds planted or just Roman paying homage to the great one? You know, Hulagrim, I wish I could answer that. I don't really know. But right now, I'm going to say it's just Roman being Roman. JP5150 with a $5 super chat. The Castle Clash was an absolutely epic wrestling show. Cardiff brought the Dragon's Fire this afternoon. Casa Dragones to celebrate on me, bro. Absolutely, brother. It's definitely one of those nights. We got a $4.99 super chat from Kent Foote. At this point, I'm going to just go and take those belts from Roman myself. I love him, but this is ridiculous. Cody is the guy, Kent. I don't know what you want me to tell you. Jaxo23 with a 499 Super Chat. I called it. I knew Dominic had enough of being in Ray's shadow, and I can't believe it's Solo Sokoa who showed up to help Roman Reigns. Well, believe it, Jaxo. We got Solo on SmackDown. Sidro with a $5 super chat and another joke that Jesse probably will not like. Where does Bray Wyatt hide his dinner rolls? The Firefly Bunhouse. Sidro, I like that one, bro. I think that one is probably my favorite of the entire that you said tonight. Jaxo with a 499 super chat. I feel like when Liv won, I realized Triple H must have had a different plan for Liv and her title run. I don't know, man. I don't know what the plan is for Liv Morgan. She ain't looking good right now. In the eyes of the fans, she ain't looking good. She's very meh. We got a new membership from Big Rick 77. Thank you, Big Rick. What are you drinking, brother? Money Senpai with a four-month recommitment to the VIP club. JD from NY, the GOAT of the entire IWC. Absolutely. I'm glad you appreciate me, Senpai. Sidro with another $5 super chat. How does Charlotte Flair browse the internet on Charlotte's web? I like that one too, Sidro. I don't know if Jesse likes that one. Probably not. He said he'd bench you if he could. Tony Brown, 499. I enjoyed it, JD. I'm glad you enjoyed it, brother. Jaxo, 23 with a 499 Super Jet. Imperium is back and better than ever. I am so happy that Imperium is back. Captain Solo. With a 15-month recommitment to the VIP club, Shayna Baszler was buried tonight deep within the Earth's core. I don't know, man. I'll uh, I'll leave that up to uh, Triple H. I don't think he's going to do Shayna dirty. I think there's a bigger thing in, in mind for Shayna Baszler. Sidro! 
$5 Super Chat. He says, this is my last one. Tribal Chief of the IWC. What do Road Dog and Billy Gunn call their wives' parents? The New Age in-laws. I think Jesse may actually throw you out of the venue for that one, Sidro. Thank you, brother. Always appreciate your pro wrestling humor. Jerry Ramey with a $10 super chat. JD just noticed Bailey's faction isn't control, but damage control. A, did Vince and Bruce try to destroy her, and is Sasha and Triple H's work? Uh, I, I don't know, bro. Did Vince Bruce trying to destroy her, Sasha and Triple H's work? I don't know, bro. Well, I don't know what you're talking about. Damage control was always going to be the name of the group, bro. They trademarked that after SummerSlam. Oz Inglorious with a $5 super chat. I'd love a shorter AW pay-per-view. If Tony Khan only books five to seven matches, four pay-per-views, he would be crucified by insert un- underrepresented minority for lack of inclusion. Oz, uh, you are not wrong, bro. I still don't think we need 15 fucking matches on a, on a show with a one-hour pre-show included. Urban G with a $10 super chat. Judgment Day looks weak as ever, and it is so hard to watch another Roman Reigns title match since we know his family will always bail him out until Cody comes back. Other than that, pay-per-view was amazing. Urban G, just uh, think about it like this, man. The more that Roman Reigns pisses you off, the better it's going to feel when you watch Cody Rhodes win the championship all by himself and overcome the bloodline. Andy with a 499 Super Chat. This was WrestleMania level and I loved it. Besides the cringe sing-along at the end, now let's Cody versus, let, let's get Cody versus Roman with Cody fulfilling his destiny. Absolutely. Bell Raynette with a UK $5 Super Chat. Hey JD, Roman should not lose his titles. Thank you for all you do. Uh, Roman may not lose his titles right now, but the Usos certainly are when we get that Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens match against the Usos. Cody Snyder with a $5 super chat. Thank you, Cody. Will Rock help Cody deal with the bloodline and defeat Roman for the title, setting up Rock versus Roman at WrestleMania? I don't know. I mean, Cody winning the title at WrestleMania has to be the story. So if Cody doesn't win the title at WrestleMania, what the fuck? What is the point of him winning the fucking title? It has to be at WrestleMania. Real Metalhead with a $50 Super Chat. Incredible show. Wish they could have played Broken Dreams through the whole entrance. Still great to hear, though. Chills. Absolutely, bro. I wish they would have played it throughout his entire entrance, but we only got a little bit of it, and then we got his generic WWE theme. I don't know. Andy with another 499 Super Chat. Clash of the Castle. Worlds collide and all out. Feels amazing to be a wrestling fan. Keep up the amazing work, JD. Absolutely, Andy. The 
Leo with a 1999 Super Chat. JD, can you explain to me why I see so many rumors about Wyatt coming back, but Triple H hasn't pulled the trigger yet? Because it's not the right time, Theo. You want Bray to come back when you want Bray to come back, which is not the same time that Triple H wants him to come back. Triple H does everything with a reason. And Bray Wyatt will be back when Triple H has a plan. Guys, we are less than 150 likes away from 2,000, man. Can we get 2,000 likes on the live stream? Would greatly appreciate it, man. We blew everybody out of the water tonight, man. We had 4,100 at one point. Thank you so very much, guys. Otis, the resident OTS bouncer. 10-month membership. What's up, JD and family? Just want to say thanks for all your hard work in the IWC. Glad to be head of security for the venue. Fuck yeah, Otis. Hashtag OTS for life. Cheers to Otis. And Hooligram. And any other mods in the chat. Real Metalhead with a 10-month membership. Thank you, brother. And then follows up with a $20 super chat. Loved the crowd singing Metalingus, beautiful metal horn emoji. Love it, man. Theo with a 1999 super chat. Do we get Sasha versus Bailey versus Bianca at Mania next year? Sasha wins the Rumble and wins the title at Mania. I don't know, bro. The women's division right now is all over the place. I'm taking this thing month by month, and I think right now we should really concentrate on what Triple H is going to be doing at Survivor Series with the ladies, which I hope is a War Games match. Real Metalhead with another $20 Super Chat. Rhea is hot. Loved when Dominic turned on Ray and Edge. It was incredible. I thought it was great. I think they pulled it off tremendously. Tommy Brannigan with a $10 Super Chat. Tremendous show, JD. As always, love the setup for Cardiff matches. Were great, but didn't like some of the outcomes, but you're always the best. OTS for life. Thank you, Tommy. Always appreciate you, bro. We got Osequi with his other account, Reinvent Films, becoming a member, and then he leaves a $500 Super Chat. Unbelievable is Osaka. Sending this from my other account, Clash of the Castle was tremendous. The crowd was fantastic. Best WWE show in a good while. Thoroughly enjoyed it. Gunther vs. Sheamus was a brutal masterpiece. Talking about other promotions, honoring the past, holding post-show press conferences. Triple H is killing it right now, and I love it. Cheers to Osaka, man. Alan, I see you in the chat, brother. Alan McDonald, thank you, bro. Cam G with a $100 super chat. Brian, sports and entertainment in the chat. I see you, bro. I appreciate you very much, man. Thank you. Cam G with a $100 super chat. What an event. 10 out of 10 from me. It is, however, sad Shannon was booked poorly again. How Hopefully, she can recover. Much love always. OTS for life. KMG, thank you so much, man. Appreciate you always. Justin Rose with a $5 super chat. No message. Justin, why are you being shy around these parts, bro? 
Don't be shy in the venue. D Brown becomes a new member. Thank you, D Brown. What are you drinking, man? Cody Snyder with a $2 super chat. Sheamus was definitely my MVP for the night. Sheamus is incredible. He is absolutely incredible, man. I think Sheamus needs to, honestly, if he hasn't already, you got to show some respect to Sheamus and what he's been able to accomplish, man. He is incredible. Sheamus is so awesome. DGK Dog with a 999 Super Chat. If War Games is happening, I hope Becky is back by then. She will put on great matches with Bailey, EO, and Dakota. I hope Alexa is not a part of it because I think she is horrible. Yeah, man. Um, Alexa is uh, is definitely rough around the edges, bro. I don't think she would fare well in that War Games match at all. She'd probably sleep in the fucking corner the duration of that match. Justin Rose with a $5 super chat. Thank you, Papa H. Amazing pay-per-view. I was at the edge of my seat. Triple H is pro wrestling. Absolutely cannot wait to see what the future holds for us fans. This is the excitement that Triple H has has brought out in the community, man. Look. Look at Justin and how excited he is, man. It's a beautiful thing. Johnny Fisterbottom. Thank you, Johnny. 1999 Super Chat. Road Dog is in your Twitter comments, JD. Of course he is. Road Dog knows what's up, bro. Road Dog knows what's up, man. Son of Seamus. Michael, one of the OTS VIPs that was actually at the show tonight. He got Seamus to shout out the podcast. And Seamus mentioned me by name. It was a great fucking feeling, man, to know that OTS is represented everywhere and even in the WWE. Love it. Yes, Johnny Fisterbottom. Thank you, brother. Uh, Gregory Taylor, Ryan Stewart, new members. Thank you, gentlemen. D. Bastardo. With a $5 super chat. Baker, baby. Don't worry, big baby face chase for Storm. TK, 15 minute matches to 15 motherfucking matches. Don't know what to book, so you book it all with no heat. Talk tomorrow, JD. Yeah. I think Britt Baker winning that title tomorrow is the worst thing for that division. Uh, DX Tricksters with a 15-month membership. Easily the best show of 2022. I was there live, and my God, it was insane. I loved every second of it, man. I hope you enjoyed yourself, brother. I really do. Thank you for the 15-month commitment to the VIP club. Antoine Richardson with a 199 Super Chat. Told you Roman was winning. He keeping him till Rock. Rock and Roman doesn't need the titles. Rock and Roman does not need the championships at all. I want you guys to understand that. We don't need the championships in that match. Okay?
We got Brandon James Shea with a $2 super chat. $2 super chat, man. Thank you so much. I like Liv Morgan and Roman Reigns is the best. Thank you, Brandon. Gyro Gonzalez with a Mexican $50 super chat. Hope that Worlds Collide tomorrow will be a breaking point for NXT and their talent in 2020. It was great. Jonathan Roche with a $5 super chat. JD, I just want to say you inspire me. You took a chance on yourself by leaving your job to pursue your dreams. It paid off. Congratulations, you goon. Jonathan, I appreciate you, brother. Like Johnny Gargano says, man, bet on yourself. Azrael with a $9.99 super chat. I lost my pops 20 days from today last year. It's been rough since last month. Been down and depressed. Your videos help me keep sane and cheer me up. I just want to thank you, JD. Keep it up, brother. Everybody throw up the prayer emojis for Azrael, man. Thank you for the 999, brother. Anything we can do to help you get back to where you need to be, we're going to do it. 60 more likes for 2,000, guys. 60 more likes. Hyru. $5 Super Chat. Walter vs. Sheamus was match of the night. They did Drew dirty. All that build up just for him to lose and sing songs afterwards like a clown. They lugered Drew. Kind of. Now he's got Killer Cross or Carrying Cross to deal with. Ali with a $15 Super Chat. Very great show. Clash of the Castle was. And JD, what's your thought? On Braun coming back to WWE and your prediction of how he's going to show up. Uh, Ali, I don't care how he shows up. I hope he books his train ticket away from WWE and we never see him again. I think it's a terrible pickup by WWE. I'd absolutely throw money at anybody else and bring them back instead of Braun Strowman. He's hit a ceiling and he's not going to accomplish much of anything on top of what we've seen already. Jericho, 8131 with a $20 super chat. Ronda is inevitably winning the title back for for Becky, Ronda at Mania, meaning Shayna would have been a transitional champ. Shayna doesn't deserve to be transitional to anyone. For that reason alone, I didn't mind Liv winning. You are correct, Jericho. You are correct, bro. Uh, Joseph Avalone with a $2 super chat. Been listening to you for over four years. You're the man. Joseph, I appreciate you, bro. Bro, if we see Braun Strowman versus Omos, that is a huge L for WWE television. Noel with a new membership. Noel, thank you so much, brother. What are you drinking tonight, Noel? Susan D'Ambrosio with a $5 Super Jack Clash at the Castle was awesome. Way to go, Triple H. I love Triple H being in charge. Everybody does, Susan. Everybody does. Vernon Pulliam with a 199 Super Jack. Roman owning the press conference is gold. I got to go back and watch it later. Now that WWE's doing press conferences, man, how do we get off the script at these press conferences? That's what I want to know. 
Lena Scorpio with a two-month recommitment to the VIP club. Happy to be a part of the OTS fam for two months. We're happy to have you here. Jay Patterson with a $5 super chat. I think Shayna should be Adam Pierce's hit woman against Ronda. I like Jericho said, Patterson. I think uh, Ronda's going to win that title back and hold it till Becky Lynch wins the Rumble. Tyler with a $5 super chat. I'm down for the Tribal Chief Roman Reigns versus the Big Dog Roman Reigns at Survivor Series since it's champ first champ. LOL. It looks like we may be getting that, Tyler. Kid Shadow one-on-one with a $5 super chat. Tyson Fury knocking out theory made him my favorite person before the singing. Thoughts on the fan in the Chris Benoit shirt being caught on camera. I, uh, I did not see that. I did not see that. Um, someone actually texted me the shirt. Better dad than Chris Benoit. That's the shirt that was caught on uh, on camera. Better shirt, better dad than Chris Benoit. I did not see that. I don't know. It's kind of fucked up. Either way you look at it. Um. JD from Memphis with a 1999 Super Chat. Clash at the Castle was greater than WrestleMania, hands down. I agree with JD from Memphis. Another smart JD. Go figure. Robbie Freeman with a two-month membership. Thank you, brother. Now that Roman won, do we split the titles by having Roman do double duty, defending each title to stay undisputed? You know, Robbie, that's not a bad idea, but I don't know what the plan is. All I know is the title needs to get back on Monday Night Raw in some way, shape, or form. Peter Lynn Rene with a five or six dollar super chat. I thought that Drew would have won the match and would choose the Raw World title. So does that mean Roman will be champ till next year? Jeez. Yeah. Cody. Cody is the way, bro. Handle Jordan with a new membership. What are you drinking, brother? Ethan with a $5 super chat. Survivor Series is the 10-year anniversary of The Shield. Hope Roman versus Seth main events the show. Is Seth the one to beat Roman? I don't know. I still like my idea of Seth coming in at number one and Cody coming in at number two in the Royal Rumble, and they last all the way until the end. I mean, that's just that's just fucking beautiful if that happens. Theo with a 199 Super Chat. What's your favorite song to listen to in the venue? Right now, my favorite song, I would, I'm listening to the new Megadeth album, which is uh, really good. Uh, I love... Uh, Whatever Alter Bridges put out for their new album, the new Arch Enemy album is great. Uh, the new Machine Head is probably what I'm listening to most right now. The new Machine Head is a really good album. Thank you, Theo. Tony Brown with the 199 Super Chat. Some sweet booty meat close-ups. Yeah, you got Bailey in there, man. I don't know how much better you can get. Craig with a three-month membership. Thank you, brother. Haven't been on any live streams in a while. Mom's health is declining fast. I will be back soon. Great pay-per-view. OTS for life. Craig, we're sorry to hear that, brother. Everybody throw up the prayer emojis for my boy, Craig. 
We'll be here, man, whenever you are ready. Whenever you are ready, man. Joey Lav. Suck my dick in the chat, bro. Joey Lav. This pay-per-view was horrible. You must have watched something from the 1970s then, bro. I don't know what the fuck you were watching. Go be negative somewhere else, man. We don't want you here. Steven Escalante. With a 499 Super Chat. KO Zane to win tag team championships at Survivor Series with that sold-out crowd. Yes. Absolutely. I think uh, that is your plan, and those are your next tag team champions. Mr. TKO. Thank you for the $2 Super Chat, brother. Hopefully we get Imperium versus the Bloodline soon. I don't know. I don't know what we're going with uh, as far as Imperium is concerned. They'll be feuding with the Brawling Brutes for a while, man. Dan from Detroit with a $2 Super Chat. Glad to see Imperium back together. Imperium is great. You guys are going to get a uh, treat with Imperium back together. AD Commit with a $5 Super Chat. JD, I appreciate your insights. What's up with the 2K22 gameplay? Finished. I don't enjoy it, man. The only game I play right now is Destiny 2, and uh, when we get AEW's game, that's when we'll jump back on and do pro wrestling. Code Villain with a $2 Super Chat. Love you, JD. Wish nothing but the best for you. Code, I appreciate you, man. Thank you so much. Chris with a 999 Super Chat. What's up, JD? Loved Clash this afternoon. Currently drinking an ice cold Corona with lime. Can I also get a peanut butter whiskey as well? Can't wait for the future of WWE. Does Roman wrestle twice at Mania? No. Roman does not wrestle twice at Mania. We only need Roman to wrestle Cody. That's it. Peanut butter whiskey. You got it, brother. Thank you for the 10. Craig with a $20 super chat. Buy a round on me, JD. Craig, you got it, brother. What are you drinking? Adam Hernandez with a $20 Super Chat. Just relived the rivalry between Jericho and HBK in 2008. Going into the ladder match at No Mercy. What did you think about that? Adam Hernandez, one of my favorite feuds of all time is that feud. Chris with a 499 Super Chat. I'm also happy to be a member of OTS for two months. Next meet and greet, JD rounds on me, brother. Cheers. Thank you, Chris. I don't know when that's going to be. Probably for Grand Slam. Mike NY with a five-month membership. Thank you for the recommitment, man. Bloodline versus Sammy, Drew, and KO. Seth at War Games. I could see it. I could see it. Maybe that is War Games, yes? David Hill with a five in UK. JD just got back from Birmingham from Cardiff. Or back to Birmingham from Cardiff. Clash at the Castle was a great show. Loved it. Edge's entrance live is amazing. Because he's got one of the best bands in the world playing him to the ring. That's why. Alter Bridge needs to be in the WWE Hall of Fame, man. I don't know what's taking them so long. Jonathan Gastello with an 18-month membership. It's been a bit since I've super chatted, but I was definitely looking forward to Clash at the Castle. WWE is going to finish off 2022 really damn good. You know it, man. They really are going to finish off the year really strong. 
AEW, AEW needs to hit a fucking Grand Slam tomorrow night for All Out, man. They need, they really need these shows, All Out and Grand Slam, legitimately. Uh, you know, in Queens at Arthur Ashe, they need to be knockout, knock them out of the park shows. Honestly, WWE is so hot right now that any small misstep is going to be magnified even more so. Dan from Detroit, five dollars super chat. Cody versus Roman feud with Lit. I can already hear Roman reminding Cody he was gone for six years and telling him that he runs WWE. It should be great. I mean, it, it sells itself. It sells itself. And MGM Ballin! 499 Super Chat. Did you notice the recap vid when the show went off the air? I'm so happy those are back. Uh, I did not, man. I shut it off uh, almost immediately to get ready for the stream. They used to do that back in the day, man. They used to do that when I was watching old WWF pay-per-views back in the 90s and going into the 2000s. Guys, you absolutely killed it tonight, man. We had 4,100 live this afternoon. We are seven likes away from 2,000. You guys absolutely murdered it with the Super Chats, and we got 10 new members tonight. All in all, I say it's a great fucking afternoon, man, and an afternoon that's... Deserves an old-fashioned. You guys absolutely murdered it today, man. I appreciate you all very much. And we're about to get out of here, man. I am uh, going to be back live with you at some point tomorrow. I don't know when. I don't know how. I don't know where. I don't know what's going on, but we will figure it out. Antoine Richardson with a 199 Super Jet. Told you Roman was winning and not losing till Rock. I don't know why everybody is just, you know, confirmed that it's going to be Rock and Roman at WrestleMania. And Hulu Grimm with a $2 Super Chat. MJF better show up or we riot. He's going to have to do something, man. Like I said, Tony Khan's going to have to fucking put on a absolute Grand Slam show tomorrow. Guys, I'll be back live tomorrow night with Jesse. All out. It's going to be a long night. You guys can get a head start with Jesse this afternoon, man. 9 p.m. This evening, I should say. 9 p.m. He's going to be retro-reviewing WWF Rock Bottom. Go check him out. He'll join me live tomorrow night. Thank you for the 2,000 likes. Go check out all the other content on the channel. I'm glad you guys made off the scripts. Number one tonight, man. Now, I'm about to go eat dinner. I'm about to go drink some cold beverages. Legit. And I'll see you guys tomorrow. I need those guitar emojis in the chat. I need those Mustang emojis for my VIPs. And I need that music on max. I'll see you guys tomorrow night for AEW All Out. Until then, guys, enjoy your Saturdays. And I will see you all later.